and welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 23. A couple of episodes ago, my friends and I began what we understood at the time was going to be a multi-part discussion on the issues of divorce and remarriage. In the first episode, we talked more about textual issues, trying to uh, deal with possible problems in transmission and translation, as well as uh, especially focusing on the exception clause found in Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. In this episode, we talk a lot more about the issues of divorce and remarriage as such, um, trying to talk about the scope and the sheer impact of these on our culture today, the effects of these issues on individuals as well as churches, and we also try to formulate what we see as being a possible appropriate pastoral response to encountering and engaging with people in our Christian congregations who find themselves in these situations. So if that sounds interesting to you, give it a listen. I hope you enjoy. Hey guys. Hello. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Doing well. Good. Good. Peter's doing well. Gotta get sick. Good. Batman. He's he's my favorite DCU <laughs> character. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. I didn't know what our icebreaker was gonna be. No, the icebreaker oh, is a really good one. Uh, hey, yeah, this is a good icebreaker. So we're gonna talk about divorce again. Oh yeah. So and who's, uh, who's, who's what's your favorite divorce? <laughs> I thought you were gonna say raise your hand if you've been divorced. Well, I in all of time, what's your favorite divorce? No, um, poor family. <laughs> Sorry, had one. C.S. Lewis is the Great Divorce. Ooh, that's uh, a good one. Yeah. It's pretty great. It's, it's an interesting book. Yeah. Mm. So uh, we had said at the end, and really we understood going into the first podcast that we recorded on divorce that it's not something that we were really feeling like we could mop up in one podcast. We also, um, that was a shorter one. We had to cut that one short because of something going on here. But uh, we are back in the saddle again, and uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper into it. So Eric said he's going to start by kind of recapping. Oh, yeah, and yeah, sure. we'll So take it away for the next 70 minutes. 70 Eric. minutes. <laughs> here we go. I should have brought like a whiteboard. Well, I have one here. I actually do have one. Yeah. Yeah, we could mount it. Like, that's true. We can uh, do that, and then people will listen also for the ASMR sounds. The squeaky noise. <laughs> <laughs> no, then we'd have to. Then uh, David would have to set up his camera oh, and record. Do people mm. want to see our faces? Anyways, I don't that's want a, people to that's see. That's a face. big no. That's a big no. Mine we'll do our makeup. Need only a faces just see. Oh, that's true. Little hat. <laughs> okay, David, I'm so glad you're here. So uh, anyway. Yeah. So for recap, uh, for those who weren't here, um, <laughs> or those who don't want to scroll back a couple episodes. Those who want to scroll back. Um, what, we, what I brought up uh, last time was just, um, you know, I have an issue with uh, the exception clause view of divorce and marriage, and it's, it's where I actually was. Um, but I was, I was bringing this up because I thought it was a very important, uh, topic that we really need to hash out, especially in Protestantism. 
and um, just having gone through it myself, I've I've realized just gone through the literature, not the divorce, not through divorce. No, to, to be sorry. clear, to be yeah, the literature, very very yes. Thank you for clearing that up. But yes, um, ha just having gone through the struggle of figuring this out, like I was not aware, as as happens a lot, like there are just different views than what I know and what I was taught, and that um, you know, like this is something that I've I've been taught really ever since I, I became a Protestant, it was affirmed at school and, and I thought like, oh, this is, this is it, simple. And then, you, you know, just through certain circumstances, I realized, oh, I guess it's not so simple. And um, I have left the exception clause view and uh, I've, I've moved towards the permanence view of marriage, uh, which I think is just, has really the only viable evidence for can can i just kind of um lay even maybe a little bit more foundational of a groundwork so we're talking about um we're okay, really yeah, trying yeah. to answer two questions one is for a christian according to the scripture when would <clears throat> it be uh permissible mm -hmm. according to the bible uh that one could get divorced and then the second question is having been divorced under which circumstances may a person according to scripture, be able to get remarried. Right, yeah. Okay? And then what, what Eric's talking about with the exception clause is the clause in Matthew 19. And is it also in... Matthew 5. It's all, Is it 5 and 19? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that says... Well, we read the scripture last time, but it says, um, anyone who divorces a woman, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, um, pornea is the word, and we talked a little bit about what that might entail, um... Anyone who, who divorces a woman, except on the grounds of sexual immorality, commits adultery. And anyone who remarries, uh, a, a, does it say a divorced woman yes. specifically? Yeah. Uh, commits adultery. Right. Okay. So the, that exception clause of except on the grounds of having committed sexual immorality only shows up in Matthew. And so uh, are we to, when we seek to answer this... Are we supposed That's to get ice, ice cream? cream? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, <laughs> when we when we seek to answer this, you know, are we supposed to uh, include the exception clause in our uh, thought process, or should we really act as though it's not there since it's not in the other gospels? Yeah, and I I brought up issues with transmission um, of what was written originally in Greek and then brought into just in, in the copying of it. Um, and then there's the interpretation of what like pornea actually mm -hmm. means and, yeah. then, and then the application, which is like, is this something that was just meant for divorce? Was it also meant for remarriage? Mm -hmm. uh, people have said, you know, well, if you're divorced, remarriage seems like the next step, the logical mm -hmm. next step. It's like, yeah. Um, so, but there's issues with all of that. Um, and that's why, uh, uh, so, so there's, there's those like three types of issues and then like the big issue for me is like you don't find it anywhere else and so you're gonna have to navigate those if you're gonna try to hold to the popular belief that what Matthew is really talking about is like is adultery right then you have to navigate uh, the transmission issues and then you have to navigate the the interpretation because you have to show that pornea means adultery, even though the word for adultery is different than pornea, it's more kia. 
and then you have to show that the application is, is universal and it's like um, that that last part where you don't the find universality it, of it yeah like that to me you have a lot of mountains to climb already but that summit there is 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 impossible there's no real good answer as to why if it's in Matthew it's not anywhere else um, <laughs> sorry but David you okay? I'm not sneeze. I didn't want to make oh. noise. <laughs> Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Um, so yeah, so that that's that those are my issues. And then just looking at it again, it's like, so what's the argument for it? What's the argument for there being this exception? And I, I can't find really a good a good argument for it. So I was saying like if you teach this, at best you're being reckless. Mm -hmm. Uh because I mean to me this is this is a primary issue because this deals with salvation because there there is nobody who's an adulterer in god's eyes who is going to heaven it's quite clear about that and if you get this wrong you, you might put someone or put yourself in that position and i i just don't know if you can you know plead ignorance and, on and you would say that specifically because this is an instance of ongoing right. known unrepentant adultery right and and like one you're... of the, the the things that I, i'd like to kind of explore talk about uh, today has to do with that it's like they're the the way that people teach about uh remarriage which um i could just go off of memory because i was just reading the articles today yeah do you want to go ahead and tell us what that article is there's two articles so that the listener can um well actually I, I they want to yeah well i don't i think actually they're from books <laughs> So, oh, that's those are just like really I, long articles. I'm curious. Yeah, uh, I don't know what book this one is. So this was sent to me by a pastor, and, and it doesn't have the title of the book. I'm, I'm trying to see if I could even find. It's called the Pearl of Great Price. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just divorce and remarriage. But I don't know who wrote it, but it's the book. Is, I'm sure you'll find tons of books with that title. Uh, but let me see if the ar other article. You can ask a question. I'm, I'm just curious, like, is everyone on the like same side of it, right? Like, how what he's saying is like everyone. Is I, everyone on the same side? That they're against the exception. Club? Yeah, right. I'm, so I'm I, not. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not either. I mean, I like what Miguel said, where it's like, okay, I get that it's there, but in my marriage, I don't act like there's an exception clause. I think that that's a healthy way to act. But I think that especially when you're trying to adjudicate like other people's um, dirty laundry, you know, uh, it. it it made it in the text. It's in the version of the text that we have. And I think there's there's a degree of... Well, there's the sovereignty of God at work in getting us the text that we have. Um, and so I, I would include the exception clause in my... You know, if I was a pastor of a church, that's how I would kind of treat people. But I think I've even shifted a little bit um, from where I would have said that I was on the last podcast because you know I'm still in process about this right. and this is something I don't feel like I've given as much attention to as I know Eric has um, so th this podcast is sometimes it's us finding out things and mm -hmm. kind of like you know coming right. to conclusions mm -hmm. here yes you can do your thing but I just I do want to go yes to what we said on the last podcast Sam did ask a question at the end of the podcast. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, and we said we'll talk about it. But, I mean, we can do it later during this podcast. Favorite, I do favorite Marvel movie. No, but I do want to go to like go question? back. He said like I would you, he said if there was a lady, there was a couple that was divorced, like unbiblically, and they went to your church. Yeah, I think that's you... the most important question. If you're pastoring a church, and then yeah, 
So I'll just say, I have a family member that they're divorced and remarried, and as a couple, they have a child from her previous marriage, from his previous marriage, and from their current marriage. Okay? So if that couple shows up to your church with their family and says, we'd like to, you know, start being members here, and, you know, we'd, we'd like to start teaching and serving and all that kind of stuff, how would you greet them? Now, we don't have to deal with that right now. I'd, I'd like for us to maybe talk about the article yeah. or, you know, kind of well, find so, our way there. But that is ultimately the question I'd like to deal with. I, I think we're going to end up going there because what the, the articles... If not, there's definitely going to be a part three, but... Yeah. So the articles that I, I'm referring to have to do with the fact that uh, it's it's the, the books are writing about, like, how what do you do in the instance as a pastor when, when these kinds mm -hmm. of things come up and like, what do you do when people have remarried when they, when they shouldn't have. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is where I really take issue with the whole thing. And I think it's, it's, it's an issue that's more consistent with, if you believe there is an exception or exceptions to mm -hmm. divorcing and remarrying, this door opens naturally. But I, I know people who are more permanent view. I know of people, I should say, um, that are just extremely inconsistent, but I'll explain why. You, and permanence view would be your view. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they would, they would also say the same thing about the, the remarriage thing. Um, so the, what, what the articles talk about and what I, why I really take issue of it. Now I, I'm going to say something I want to qualify because I know it's, it's right away. It's not meant to be controversial, but, um, it, I think it's supposed to be like, you know, bring gravity to the situation. But, you know, I would call this kind of doctrine demonic. Mm. And I don't mean that people who teach it are Satan worshipers or anything like that. I'm going off the same vein as what Paul says to Timothy in, in chapter four in the first letter, mm. where he's like, oh, if you man. forbid marriage and forbidding even different foods, that you can, it's demonic. And it's just well, like, I'm yeah. even thinking of a, the passage in, I forget if it's first or second Timothy, where it, it says people who are teaching these false doctrines and that they are in captivity to Satan and basically like doing Satan's work for him, you know? Yeah. Well, this is stuff that I, I had to struggle with because I don't know how to necessarily, um, you know, like you said, we're all in process here. For me, what I'm in process is just trying to figure out mm -hmm. people who teach this kind of stuff, how to how to view them. Um, but anyway, so the, the, the argument goes that, you know, yes, you have people that, um, or let's just say you are a couple that's remarried unlawful, right? You you divorced your former spouse because they move around too much at night, and you want someone who, who <laughs> they snore too loud. Yeah, they snore too loud. Something like you know, something like that. And I understood that to be very different. I meant like they move around too much at night, as in mm. like they get out of bed at night. Oh, okay. And, uh, well, know. any anything like that, right? And then you remarry they are someone. elsewhere. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they you, they've remarried, Simple. and. Um, it's like, so what do you do? And there are people who would counsel them and say, well, you should just remain with this person. And the line of thinking uh, is, you know, you don't want to divorce again because that would just make the situation worse. And the arguments that are uh, made in, in the articles, one of them has to do with polygamy. The other one um, has to do, well, there's two arguments, I remember. One was like, um, when Jesus calls it adultery, is it ongoing? And they really question that. And um, they're really it's... like, is there continuing yeah. in a in that marriage. second marriage ongoing adultery? Right. And they would say when no. Would it stop. Right. Right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to it, Sam. Don't 
Eager McBeaver. Um, and then the the third argu- the third argument I was just remember reading in the footnotes was like, well, God even blessed uh, you know the relationship between David and Bathsheba, and um, <laughs> but uh, so there's problems with with all those things, and I, and I've heard different just a bunch of different arguments, and one they're never really connected to one another. To me, that's that's one of the big problems. It's like it's just you're throwing out a bunch of reasons why they should not mm-hmm. divorce, and it's like. And this is annoying because now I gotta hit each one of them. But that to me it's like this is not a well thought out, coherent argument. This is just a bunch of arguments they're using. And I would argue that it's twisting scripture. So to the the the, the argument that this is not an ongoing adultery, a lot of times because like, well, Jesus never really defined when the adultery uh, ends. To which I would say, well, yeah, happen. common sense would tell you that that means he's not trying to. Right. He's not like, trying to limit it yeah. to Right. Yeah. And, and it's tied to marrying someone else. Right. It's not just divorcing. There's there's the divorce part, which you have to do with. But there's also a marriage part. Right. If you marry a divorced woman. So it's tied to that. And uh, so, you know, so we naturally would connect it. And um, another thing they would say is like, well, the verb is, is a present tense verb. And it could just mean this one time thing. I mean, technically, it could mean an ongoing thing. It's like, OK, you're getting really technical but i don't need to do any of that uh i knew common sense what it meant but luckily you know god does i think provide in his scripture and mm-hmm. so i just go to Romans seven and, and mm-hmm. paul deals with it quite <laughs> you know like quite simply and he says that if a woman is joined to another man while her husband is living she shall be called an adulteress so how long does it last as long as her husband is living that's how, because you're violating a marriage. Gotta kill the husband. That, that's what I was saying last <laughs> time. That, that has been, this right. is like the fourth time this has come out on Well, honestly, that's, uh, <laughs> that's what David did. <laughs> oh, actually. It's just sin. Was it uh, Abigail, yeah. right? Uh, or what was the what was the wife's name? Uh, it wasn't Abigail. Bathsheba. 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 Oh, no, but I'm thinking, what was the, was it also Abigail and me? No, he or? didn't kill, uh, but I know who you're talking about, Abigail. He didn't kill, he... Well, that guy died, though. Yeah, he did yeah. die. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, hey, come come be with me. Um, <laughs> Why didn't he do that with Paul? Uh-huh. Why didn't he do what? No, he did that with Paul. And as a result, she didn't... Uh, no, no, he didn't. Uh, she, you think Are you thinking of David and Bathsheba? Bathsheba, yeah. Bathsheba's the one that he saw on the rooftop. Yeah, no, I like that. No, he did that. You go die so I can have it. No, Abigail was like, he came to this house and like she was really kind that the husband was a jerk and like and David his was, shepherds yeah like David was like dude I can kill you right now but I'm not going to and then like I forgot what happened do, do you know God what he did to kill Bathsheba <laughs> this was, no, it was before that, Bathsheba yeah, oh, oh, yeah. yeah like he was just right. married to Michael or Michal it's weird yeah. saying Michael but I think that is how you're supposed to say it right yeah uh, Michelle. Saul, Michelle Saul's dog yeah, you, can say, you can say Michael I think it's Michal Michal because it's a chet yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Still doesn't sound very uh, feminine. It, it, it yeah, Dude, what? <laughs> yeah. That sounds very feminine. Michal. Michal? Yeah. I would do. Now we're going to have a, feel like y'all are making fun of a podcast about mm-hmm. names if yeah. they're feminine. Like, no, I, like, I would legit. That's like no, that's Michal. Michal. Yeah, Michal. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Any, it doesn't matter. Speaking about linguistics, like while we're on that topic, <laughs> you brought up a good point. I think this is a good, very general pra- like rule to use. So don't like like use it for every circumstance but it's a really good general when you talked about the tense it's really a good general rule never lodge your interpretation on a tense right or, yeah. a, or a form of a what a form word. of the word happens <laughs> to because show it up it can in, help yeah. but it's the context and yeah so i think i like yeah. that you pointed out like 
they're using that as an argument of the, you know, is it, it's in this perfect tense or uh, you know, present tense. So that means once or twice. But it can mean a lot of things. Like, yeah. yeah. So let's flexible. just go to Romans 7. So, Romans yeah. 7, so you, ever, you have a clear text. Yeah. Just, just say like the a... clear text should be used to interpret the unclear text. Well, it's always yeah. helpful like, when you're reading through because it can seem scholarly. Of just When yeah. you see someone throw stuff out like that, like be a little bit more skeptical of it. And oh, hopefully yeah. they have better answers. And, and <laughs> go, going back to that with, with if uh, at some point it was even possible that after their union it was no longer for some reason counted as adultery, that means that this union that was made in sin is now somehow made okay at some point, right. which doesn't make sense to me. Well, okay, well, so... Oh, sorry. Well, I was going to pose a question. I was going to let us get a little further ahead, but I think you touched close enough to what I was going to say was, what are your thoughts about two individuals who are non-believers get divorced, non-believers remarry, become believers? Would you say that when they remarried, they were bound into one flesh? Uh through the spirit uh or yeah, one, even in their first marriage something or that we say... said at the end of the last podcast we're like we went this whole you know hour and a half or whatever it was we never even tried to define marriage mm, right yeah. well so so it's like i want to be clear on this so like i'm taking a, a big step back right so like mm-hmm. going in the realm of non-believers actually kind of goes beyond the general scope of scripture well but but, 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 but i'm not. saying then they become believers. no i know i know yeah. so and where I, does their marriage lie there? right and i anticipated this because i've i've thought about this and we're, <laughs> we're similar minds um i don't know if well i'm not going to try to answer that yet because so much we have to go through before we get there but like i'm going to define a uh, for me what i see in scripture as a christian marriage and the reason why i was talking about the bible like for me what i see the focus is on is on god and his people so when you go outside of that, that's when these questions are going to come about. But if you just stay inside, if you just listen to Paul and don't get married to an non-believer, you won't have those questions to deal with. How wonderful is that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then the thing about non or the thing about believers is they used to be non-believers, right? So they have yeah. baggage. And so like, what do you? Yeah. I mean, so um, doesn't Paul talk about that when one one of the people in the marriage gets saved and the other one doesn't? Yeah. 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 First, yeah. First, Corinthians First Corinthians seven. Yeah. And, and we didn't we, together. We didn't talk about that passage barely at all last time. Right. It was, it was, it was mentioned. When, it was when you have two like, non-believers that are married and one gets saved and the other doesn't, what do you do? Do you leave that uh, marriage or do you keep yeah. it? Well, well, so well, it's, we it seems, well, do you want to come circle back around? Well, yeah. yeah well, let me define what okay. I see as marriage and I would break it down into four points is that it's uh, between two people, okay, two, between male only and two. only two, between male and female. Uh, and this is a Christian marriage I'm talking about. So naturally be mm-hmm. two Christians. One male, one female, mm-hmm. and neither yeah, of them okay. are tied to someone else in a marital covenant. That's what I would define. Wait, I thought, that was, I thought you said four things. That is four. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Christian was one of them? Christian, opposite genders, the number two, yeah. <laughs> two people, and uh, not bound to anybody else in a marital okay, covenant. So then in a marital covenant. Yeah. So if I'm if I was married to someone else who's not a believer, yeah. then you would say that that was not a marital covenant because it didn't include point one, which is that they're Christians. Yeah, right. Really? Yes. Okay. So you would say that um, a a Hindu. Okay. How about this? Like if if a Hindu couple, you know, you evangelize them and they come to Christ like pretty much in the same day, um, genuinely, you know, they both come to the faith. Would you say, let's have a ceremony? 
Like let's let's have a a, let's have a a wedding ceremony and like officially join you in Christ. Yes. Together. Wow. Yeah, I think that I think that's I think that's beautiful. You know, it's this is probably the first time. Well, I feel like I've I've toyed in this direction before. But yeah, it's probably the first time that I've ever thought about that kind of thing. I feel like that's that's really significant for what we're facing right now is Mm. that that idea of what is a Christian marriage versus marriage. Because I think a lot of what the nation talks about about. Well, they're trying to get yeah. married over. I'm like, well, if civil, trying to the redefine, civil government, yeah. how they define? Because I think yeah. there's a lot of Who cares? Like, like atheistic marriages out there. That's not the same as a Christian. Are you two marriage. kingdoms? What's that? Two kingdoms? <laughs> Who knows? Um. <laughs> oh, uh, this this <laughs> is a caveat, and this could be a whole other podcast. I might be coming a theonomic postmodern or post post millennial. Oh. You might as well have told me you, you've got AIDS. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 <laughs> I need to hear more about it. Okay, okay. So <laughs> like, he I, would, I actually stole it from him, and then it's back to okay. <laughs> tangents yeah, so within I think tangents. That, it, that helps a lot with the dialogue of where we're, where we're arguing. Because to me, you know, when, you, when people are like, you hear a lot of pastors talk about how they're like, what do we do? We want to make sure that we're not going to marry gay couples. But I'm like, well, we going to marry atheistic couples. Yeah, I would not. Because to me, it's yeah, exactly. Or a believer like, to a non-believer. Yeah, it's like no, right? It's not, that it's not our support as the Christian because the because the Christian marriage is different than just what the culture does with marriage. Correct. Marriage yeah. shouldn't exist if it's not between two Christians. I don't think it holds well, any uh, other than like um, things that would have to do with like taxes or something yeah Yeah. well i think you know other religions also so like two muslims it makes sense that they would get married because of their their belief system but if you're an atheist don't get married yeah why would you get married it's it's really dumb tax benefits this is so funny so (laughs) so would you say then Mm -hmm. that a believer and a non-believer uh entering into marriage so you wouldn't call that uh, a Christian marriage? A, a, Christian a legitimate? Marriage. Can we say? Can would... we say legitimate? Well, what I want to avoid is like saying delegitimizing. It can get uh, complicated. I've, I've thought about this. It can get complicated when you just say legitimate. What I rather just say is Christian. We all know mm-hmm. what that means. And again, that's the focus of the Bible. That's what's going to last for eternity. Okay. And is it? Wait, you're Christian? No, 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 no. Gonna... I'm, okay. I'm saying Christianity. Yeah. Like that. That story is oh, going to yeah. last for eternity. Yeah. So like, this is why it has. And, and would you say that would you yes. say that a Christian marriage and a marriage like the Venn diagram of Christian marriage and a marriage that you would recognize as part of your church if you were pastor of a church that that's just a circle mm-hmm. like it's a hundred percent overlap no yeah, yeah. no margins okay. yeah uh, and, and not everybody uh, agrees to that and I mean so there's a lot of ways we can go with this but I think there's one the reason I don't like this whole remarriage thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I never got to finish my question. Oh, okay. So then, so you would then <clears throat> say that somebody entering into a believer and a non-believer getting married would you would then say it's a sinful it's not marriage. a marriage. It's not yeah. a marriage. Well, well you, it's you, not you, a Christian you would, marriage. You would say it's a sinful practice. Yeah, then. yeah, absolutely. It's sin. It's not a Christian marriage. Yeah. Like, okay. okay. And uh, I can and adultery. Hmm? It'd be adultery. Uh, it wouldn't necessarily be adultery because well, because you're having it's marriage when, outside of sex. When, sex outside of marriage. It would when be two Muslims pornea. when yeah. two Muslims get married and they've let's say they've saved themselves from marriage and then they start sleeping with each other, would you call that adultery? No, I wouldn't call that adultery. I what I was calling uh, a Christian yeah, and a okay. Christian pornea. I know that there's it's not a one to one. I was just yeah. curious what you would have said about but that. But what so just to go to to explain why I would say that is I mean just in the chapter before this Paul is explaining to the Corinthians about sexual sin is like if you have sex with a 
prostitute, don't you know that you're becoming one flesh? Mm. Marriage mm-hmm. talk. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, are you going to join Christ to a prostitute? Mm. What? And he goes on to say things like, you know, what, what, uh, what is it? I don't know. I'm just going to paraphrase. But what business does light have to do with darkness? Mm-hmm. Why should they be joined together? And it's like, that's what's going to happen when you're with a non-believer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's why. I, yeah. I, I don't have any qualm with it. I just wanted, I just wanted to extrapolate that out yeah. so that we can see the ramifications right. of, of a non-Christian marriage. Well, yeah. do, doesn't, wouldn't that apply to what you had brought up with um, 1 Corinthians 7 where it talks about someone becoming a believer and then the, the other spouse not being a believer where, where it's saying like, if, if they choose to leave you, you are now free. Because I mean, ultimately, that was not a trend right. yeah. to begin so with. So let me. Ex- Seems like it would be in yeah. keeping with that. Let me right. expound on that a little bit because um, some people would say like that's still a legitimate marriage, and that's what Paul's saying here. And I would say no. Prior to this instance, you have Paul talking to the married. So what's the difference between the married and the rest? Well, one of them is a non-believer, so he's not treating them the same. And to the married, it's the same action. What what we call abandonment. Where, where the wife, and in, in, in when he talks to the married, he says, wife is not to leave her husband, mm-hmm. but if she does remain single, will be reconciled, right? Yeah. So it's still this binding, completely different uh, solution to the problem to the rest. Exactly. And so that's why I'm saying, like, look, you got to treat uh, relations between believer and non-believer different because there's no way that Paul, who will reiterate in 1 Corinthians 7, a woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, is going to tell someone, hey, you're free to just you're free to to be married and that's how i would translate is when he says you're free mm-hmm. or you're not bound anymore that you're free to marry because the non-believer wants to leave and not just physically relocate and paul saying well you don't have to move to uh sparta if this person wants. no he's they want to leave the person they yeah. want to leave yeah. the marriage so mm-hmm. he's like you're free paul's using like like language that's used for people who are uh you know free men and slaves mm-hmm. it's the same mm-hmm. language right so mm-hmm. Uh, but people like to make, uh, or some people like to argue, well, he's using different words here and there. And it's like, they're synonyms. Mm. Like, don't make this too complicated. I could, yeah. you know what I mean? So, anyways, that's that's how I view things. There, because so, you mentioned this before, that's another exception, right? But, like, the difference right. is is that it's not between two Christians. Right, it's t- it's it's technically not a marriage. Yeah. In and a it, sense, it's a union. And it's a, but it's a very interesting, like, and difficult passage because there's the idea of the children being sanctified. Right. By them remaining together. Right. I don't want to, I'll bring this up. I don't necessarily, because I don't want to get too deep into all these little, because there's like, I would just want to focus on it as a whole, like remarriage and divorce and everything. But I've thought about like, well, even though he says, let them remain, was Paul still intending for them to have sexual relations? I would say no. Huh. I would say that they were not. So remain in the home. Yeah. And remain in the child's life. Yeah. But not, okay. Well, yeah. that would also make sense because if one of them did become a believer, even if the other that was not a believer didn't want to leave them, therefore they should stay together. It, at that point that you are now a believer, you would then be mm. unifying yourself with a non-believer. Exactly. So that would make sense. Yeah, that's, that's what I would... Yeah, I, I don't know that that's a necessary inference. Like, I feel like I'm on board with it, but it would be, I don't feel like it's clear enough, at least in that text, for me to feel like I would have to give that counsel to someone in my church. I, I'm taking it in the context of, of what surrounds it. If Paul's already talked about you're joining yourself to someone and Christ is somehow involved, mm, mm. it's hard to see how that doesn't apply here. And again, he's not really too worried about them remaining together till one of them dies. 
so he's treating them differently like i can't mm. apply the same principles there that's that's why i've arrived there and then why paul even says you can't be married to a non-believer because what people will do is they'll confuse those two things for each other and be like because if you say well you know you're not supposed to be with a non-believer like yeah but if they do get married you just do what paul says when you're married to non-believers like those are two different things mm -hmm. like paul does not address them in the same vein mm. and that's i think a good way to look at first corinthians 7 a commentary really opened my eyes and was like look if you don't read first corinthians 7 realizing that paul's hitting on several different subjects and mm -hmm. talking to several mm -hmm. different people mm -hmm. you're gonna like confuse the whole yeah thing. how many verses is that chapter it's it's that. really yeah. yeah it's a lot and especially for a first corinthians chapter yeah you know if like if it was sandwiched in the middle of like luke or matthew it would be different but right yeah, yeah yeah uh but just to reiterate no exception found there all of this thorough talk from paul no, no exception. exception yeah that's really funny um so 40 40 verses okay yeah i was gonna say there's like a lot so. um and it's going back to where i was starting so this idea of remarriage right so there was the the, the verb tense mm -hmm. there was with the whole thing with Bathsheba but again when David first of all God didn't just necessarily bless their marriage he forgave David mm -hmm. but someone had to die which is really sad mm -hmm. and I mean it, it's it's really sad I also wouldn't use the Old Testament David as an example for what yeah exactly <laughs> exactly I, I wouldn't use the Old Testament really period because there's a lot of things to go the big thing you have to go over is the fact that you had multiple wives too yeah yeah so. which is another argument made where someone was saying that there's there's plenty of biblical data that shows that god would rather uh there be polygamous relationships than divorce and i'm like one i'll call your bluff and say there is no biblical data that says that but um like you're gonna rank it in god's eyes like <laughs> yeah. hmm, i don't care for this but this makes me a little bit more angry so. yeah well that's what i'm saying you're putting divorce mm -hmm. on a pedestal and um <laughs> right that sounds weird yeah but um you're like you're making it the sin not to yeah. do right and it's, the unpardonable it's, sin yeah. well man there's so much to say but um so for for the divorce thing for me it do you have something to go no, keep going. Just, just wanted to point a finger point up to the sky. Um, just to stop your moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, with 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 divorce, I think it's very similar to the way the like the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus, thought about the the uh, Sabbath in a way, right? Uh, so Jesus does miracles on the Sabbath, and uh, I'm not trying to mix stories, but I know like at least one time. I think it was a synagogue leader tells Jesus, hey, man, there's six days to do work, but on the seventh, you know, the seventh, mm -hmm. don't do work. Wow. And Jesus' argument really is like, that's not what the point of the Sabbath was, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of similar Sabbath here. Sabbath was made for man, right? not the man. For the but also, like, if it's about resting in God and then you do God's work, like, how much more can you be resting and honoring God on mm -hmm. the Sabbath, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing here. Like, people are like, hey, God said don't divorce. It's like, yeah, but the intention wasn't mm -hmm that you keep together what what shouldn't be together it's to, to keep together what god had put together right yeah. and uh, it's not like white knuckling it to your grave with someone that's not supposed to be there anyway exactly yeah. so for me a fundamental uh thought or idea behind everything so you're a fundamentalist <laughs> uh is what when jesus said that what god has put together let man not separate mm -hmm. so coming with the, those four things about marriage just coming to any situation of marriage mm -hmm. ask yourself 
did God put these people together? Because if the answer is yes, then obviously they should remain yeah, together. Yeah, that's a good point. Like what God has put together, yeah. let not man separate. Well, God didn't put them together, so... Right. Yeah, I think you brought up a great um, connection point with Jesus' teaching on the Sabbath where he says, man wasn't created in order to fulfill Sabbath. Um, yeah. Longest. It was to help him. Yeah. And I think understanding the purpose behind what's going on is super important. We learn in um, Ephesians from Paul... But he says that the entire point of marriage is that it points to Christ in the church. Yeah. It showcases to the world Christ in the church, and Christ doesn't abandon His church. Right. Yeah. Nor does the church. Ever. Nor does yeah. the church leave Christ. Yeah. So in a way, it's false doctrine. Yeah. And that's Oof. why divorce is super helpful. You could almost say if it's if, if marriage is, is helpful. if marriage is picked in your church, you could almost go as strong as to say it's blasphemous to get divorced Oof. because it's speaking against. Oof the image of god i would i would say so zoinks like i i would say it speaks against his work and it speaks against his image that's why i think teaching this kind of thing is blasphemous because somehow so when you said how does it become better the the argument that was made by it's why when sam said how does oh like when does it stop becoming adultery yeah right yeah okay uh i know john piper's made this argument and he will what and, and it's not just john piper we've we've read it in john MacArthur's website where it's like john owen <laughs> no, I don't think you have a website, but um, I feel like Owen would pretty, be pretty strict on this. Well, maybe not. So. He's very graceful in his stuff, like Grace Phil, but hmm. he doesn't he doesn't play around. Yeah. So, um, what they would argue is that if you recognize that what you did was wrong, leaving your wife and marrying, you ask God for forgiveness, and then you continue on in this second marriage, knowing that God has forgiven you, and He'll bless it. And to me, the red flag is the only body repenting in that scenario is God. The only body. The only body. Did I say that? The yeah. only person. Yeah. Oh, man. It's fine. Anyways, the only person is God because he's the one changing his mind about things. He's, mm. You say, uh, sorry, God, I, I, what I did was mm -hmm. wrong. And I'll get to you. Let me just finish this. Okay. What I did to you was wrong. And um, like, like, please, please forgive, forgive me. me. And then God's <laughs> like, I do forgive you. And now go on. Do it. Where it's like. Why would he call it adultery if like, that's just well, only... because you asked really nicely. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, that's mm -hmm. blasphemous. But we've actually been told that's how it works. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We've Probably not in come... quite so childish of terms. But... No, but no. that's no. what they were yeah, saying. No, 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 no. no. That, well, yeah, that what I just said was pretty much verbatim. But not only that, I asked, hey, are you saying that God has put these two in the remarriage, the second marriage, mm -hmm. together? And they're like, In the yes. same way that he put the yeah. first two together. And they and said, they yes. Place. And I said, that's blasphemy. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm like, this is demonic. And, and anyways. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I want to connect the thought here because I was reading mm -hmm. some verses earlier while uh, mm -hmm. listening to you know, the, the conversation. Yeah, and I, and I agree with a lot of it. I agree with um, that the marriage is the heart of Christ, that two non-believers should ever marry because that contradicts uh, the gospel and uh, uh, Christians divorcing is also contradicting the gospel. So I was reading some things and yes, um, the verses I was reading in Matthew chapter 15, um, the Pharisees were coming to Jesus and asking him, why do you break, why do your disciples break the traditions of your elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So mm. that mm. that verse really spoke out to me because mm. um, I was thinking it is a real eye opener. Mm. It's like we as Christians also need to be careful like how we 
teach others who mm. may be practicing divorcees because if we're um, pra- we, practicing practicing things that are contra- uh, that contradict God's law, like if we're like the persons that are divorcing, um, at, like or been through a divorce marriage, we got to be careful like how we teach that to other people and not um, be living a hypocritical lifestyle. Like mm. if we see like. Um, two Christians getting divorced and say I was that person divorcing I gotta be careful about how I go about teaching that because if I'm um, I, I as a Christian put that into practice that I'm um, not following the covenant of um, the heart of Christ because mm-hmm. if someone is going to go and pre- preach that mm-hmm. um, where it's like that verse in the Old Testament you notice the log in that person's eye but you don't mm-hmm. realize you see the speck in that person's eye, but you don't see the, the log in your own yeah. eye. And so the point I'm trying to get into that is this, is like, we got to be careful not to, uh, just, uh, we, we do need to be careful, like how we teach other people if we are living those, li- living the lifestyles and breaking the command of God for whatever traditions we have or if, mm-hmm you're from a family that divorces because of certain situations. I, I believe that's the, what I'm trying to get at. It's like just the way we, we as Christians, um, especially if we're ministering to non-Christians who are um, in unhealthy yeah. adulterous marriages. That makes me think of like Romans 2 where Paul is saying like, you know, basically you're going to attack people for doing these other sins but you know you you've offended if you've offended the law in one point then like mm, you're broken you've it. broken all of it and yeah. i and i i feel like there's a temptation sometimes to use that almost as like you're hedging your bets it's like well i won't talk too much about their dirty laundry so that they won't call me out on my stuff mm. and that is not at all like what paul is trying to do is like okay so everybody keep quiet because if you start <laughs> talking about like if somebody else is in well they're gonna be able to call it's like well, that's not where your justification comes from. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. your justification doesn't come from the fact that you're a better, like, lawkeeper than this other person. And it, it, it's a, like, to me, that is one of the most humbling passages in all of the scripture. And it's like, look, we're all condemned. Like, mm-hmm. God has, has put us all on trial and found us all guilty and all, like, worthy of death and worse, you know, like, eternal condemnation. Mm-hmm. And he's... Uh, he's he's also offered grace and extended grace to us. So like how how humble and how gentle and how uh, patient and how loving and how kind and how um, just meek should we be in our interactions with each other? Understanding that like here we all are, a bunch of like filthy, I mean worse than worthless, wretched, evil rebels, and God has redeemed us. And I think that you know if you can. First of all, if you if you try to talk to a divorced, remarried person about this, I don't really see that conversation ending without at some point them storming off and saying, like, you think you're better than me and how dare you? You don't know what I've been through. And it's like, I don't know what you've been through. But, like, I'm not trying to come to you from the perspective of, like, here I am. Like, oh, I'm holy. I've either never been married or just been married once or been married and my wife passed away or whatever it is. Uh, like, I am so much worse like i know so much more about my sin than i know about yours but i'm also your brother and i'm trying to 
like beckon you toward holiness and toward uh, you know just living a life in alignment with what God's revealed will is about specifically marriage in this case. But yeah, I, I don't see those conversations going well. Mm. I think ever. also there's a a big issue I think we hit into, which is the amount the culture has dictated to oh, us yeah. that we don't even realize. Mm-hmm. The fact that marriage is so primary mm-hmm. in our focus that everybody needs to mm-hmm. get married and we should absolutely... And so a lot of the arguments I feel like is, well, if they get divorced, if they if they have to split or separate, we should What's going to happen when they're they, not They've got to get married yeah. then because you can't just condemn We're them... We're just going to not be married? Condemn like, them that's to impossible. Be single. And we, we skip over so quickly when Paul talks about that in Corinthians. He goes on to say people who are... Um, single should states that like he's like yeah. I would I wish that you could all do this like marriage is a great thing and he talks about that it points mm-hmm. to Jesus but be single like it's not a it's not a bad thing he yeah. like, he says it's like he also like almost gets point of saying it's a better state to be in and then he says to the you can widows be more committed yeah, yeah he says to the or, widows yeah. who have a hundred percent justification being remarried because mm. marriage is not an eternal covenant after death mm. we all agree like everybody agrees after death you can get married again it is a till death covenant. Mm. And he says to widows who have the absolute best claim to say, I can get married again, no problem. And he says to them, stay single. Yeah. So I think we've let the culture... Uh, are, are, you're talking about First Corinthians? Yeah. And then in, is it First or Second Timothy, where he says, you're going to have these widows, and when they're enticed by their like lustful ways, they will get remarried. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought that was okay mm. for the widows to get remarried. But that, I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's not saying it's against the law or anything, mm-hmm. but he's saying the thing that entices them to that... Mm is not like mm-hmm. it's it's usually not like a kingdom mindset of trying to build the the mm-hmm. the family of God and the church and over, overall mm-hmm. it's like i don't feel like i can handle not you know having sex or you mm-hmm. know ha- having to mm-hmm. be celibate or whatever and mm-hmm. a lot of times i feel like that is what entices people mm-hmm. um, yeah. so that but he addresses that in in 1 Corinthians 7 as well he says like you know to widows uh, you know, it's better that you stay single, but if you can't exhibit yeah. self-control, it's better than then get married. Yeah, better than then to burn. And that—that's before he's talking to widows. But I think that that does apply. You know, no, kind no. Of in in First Corinthians seven. Yeah, think, but no, that's it's, it's, he addresses. Oh, he says yeah, it think, two times in the well, chapter. And and just to clarify, because um, uh, in, in Timothy, it's like Paul's just funny sometimes to read because he he seems to like mm-hmm. go this direction. And because with the the widows, the younger widows, he doesn't want them signing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because he talks about their being and it's not just marriage there's also mm-hmm. like being uh busy bodies and yeah and, whatever. and having extended family and mm-hmm. like all that but what was his solution was for the widows to get married mm. yeah <laughs> that's what he says which is so funny he's like so but i will have the widows get married and bear mm-hmm. children or this they're like okay mm-hmm. all right yeah and so i think that because i'm not i don't want to downplay it all no, the, no, no the importance no. of marriage, and that yeah. marriage is, is something that's a blessing but i think we've been overplayed yeah. The, the 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 idea that singleness is bad, no. or yeah. that it's like you're missing something, or you're not complete or mature unless you like. I've been told a hundred times in internships and in church training things that you'll understand this when you're married. You'll get this doctrine when you're married. Yeah. And to no, me, that's like, not. Well, then Jesus was incomplete. <laughs> in, yeah. Right. Then, then the Holy Spirit's not yeah, enough. But we get we got suckered because we get this idea. Um, from platonic philosophy we think it's a christian idea but that high mm. soulmate thing that you're like designed for someone because the um, plato taught that this theory that the soul was one being yeah split, split and now you're trying to else. find the other half of you to make you complete yeah. and that's dominates the culture and dominates yeah. the romance so you language. can be complete like jesus yeah. really is enough but, mm. yeah so so i agree with you and i also think there's just um 
not only societal pressures as like mm-hmm. like peer pressure but like the and not i promise not to get political but like you know society wise like it's structured around a, a two-person household a mm. two a two-income household mm-hmm. mm. you know where you know you know there are people who are single and make six figures but mm-hmm. you know you know you look at it and you're like hey two people earning minimum mm. uh you know is around 30 mm. in the mid 30s mm. you know that puts you to you know a, a, a 70 60 to seventy thousand dollar income does minimum wage get you 30 uh i thought maybe like 28 825 i think it's like 20 yeah it's, yeah it's pretty low so, my bad. so but, yeah, yeah so so even then like yeah you know okay, you know so how that's to, that's why you know how to calc- two, two so people together make about 30, you take 30 you take your hourly rate Double and multiply it by two and then that's how many thousands of dollars you make if you if you work 40 hours yeah 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 you have to and if you take two weeks of vacation yeah something that you said i kind of disagree with go for that dan said oh yeah i might might i might be misunderstanding it no, you say, just yeah, I could be wrong too. <laughs> um, you say like it's not uh, what was it culturally or was it? you say like mm-hmm. it's natural like for people to get married, or like we live in a culture now that That's people old, that overhypes the essentialness. That yeah, everyone the okay. essential. So it's like it's like, like almost like it's a command for everyone. Like you, you're, you're, like, you are an it, outlier. If you're in your life in singleness for your whole life. I disagree life. with that. I don't think that's true. I think it's the opposite. I not. He doesn't agree with that either. He doesn't agree with like that the you're incomplete thing. unless you're married. I'm saying the culture. He's saying the culture says it's, it's not good. good. Oh, he's saying yeah. culture is saying to get married. Yeah. Well, no, it, it, I don't. I don't. You don't think the culture? No, for, I don't think. I, I, I think there's. I would say there's been a very recent less now than within ever. like a yeah. three to five year push mm-hmm. that glorifies singleness. I'd say well, I would not. Say that to I wouldn't even say like I'm saying is that depends really. Well, I guess, I guess maybe I don't want to like push say this like the generation thing, but like all my friends, like every, like a lot of my friends, they don't want to get married, but yeah. they want an, a, like a relationship. They don't want anything to do with marriage. Christian mm-hmm. and non-Christian. Yeah, yeah. Christian and non. They don't mm-hmm. want to get married, but they want to live together. Okay, yeah. that, like, that's that's, the, that's, that's, the same, that's what well, it's the same thing. They yeah. need somebody. Companionship. Okay, okay, yeah. that's what I was wondering that, if you so would mean would like companionship that, or you mean actual marriage. I would I would lump them both. That, that's good. That's, there we go. That's a yeah, good that's point a good there. distinction. Okay. So that's, well, that's, that's just the idea that you need another person in your life to make yourself complete. Yeah. Okay. But there's yeah, been absolutely. a lot. There, two, two people together is the standard and the yeah. norm, and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I was gonna say there has been a lot of pushback. I don't know. I think it might just be really with women on just being like, I don't need a man. I don't need to be with mm-hmm. anybody. Strong I'll just get a dog <laughs> and that'll be enough. And uh, I, I, I would, I mean, yes, I see that, but I think there's a, there, that's a, I think there's a more overt mm-hmm. um, emphasis there. But I also do think that there is, uh, that, that the same thing exists for men. It's just presented differently. So it's not advertised as much, which is right. like, dude, why are you gonna lock yourself down? You're right. You yeah. Just like the ball go and around, chain, and so yeah. like, and so those two present very differently. Yeah. One is empowering versus well, well I, some people would them. argue that the other is empowering too, but yeah. one is socially acceptable empowerment, the other is uh, yeah not. socially deplorable. But yeah. but either way, there obviously we shouldn't be surprised that society is, mm-hmm. is not getting the things. We live in a society. We live in a yeah. broken society. What's what's yeah. that uh, line from Duco? What do you get when you get... You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. Mm-hmm. 
Kapow. Kapow. That's right. <laughs> Always spoiled it. Um, no, because they don't know if that's a bomb. I, 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 I wanted to ask a question that doesn't deal directly with uh, like divorce, but Kapow. when it comes to singleness <laughs> and marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get to singleness maybe, and marriage? No, I, I just want to ask one question, yeah, and is, maybe you guys would say this it. should be for a whole podcast of its own. I don't know. But... Um, Regardless of whether you're you're um, staying single or you're getting married, and uh, you know part of the reason for whichever decision you're making is to glorify Christ, mm-hmm. do you do you believe that there's uh, like biblical evidence to say that if you're gonna if you are to be married, that you need to have kids? No. Oh, like a command to have to have children if you like are someone who gets married. That's yeah, a good yeah. That just means. Uh, ooh, actually, ooh, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> yes, I would say that. Yes, you think I, it's necessary if you're a Christian to get married to to have children? Um, even if you can't have to, I like I, we said this a, a couple podcasts ago. I think every Christian should adopt. Should try should try to pursue to adopt. Right. I right. think it is. So that means having kids. I don't. Are you adopting? No. no I'm married, say married couples. Um, should try to... Post, if they can't have kids... Um, Not single to, people? No. I, I think uh, with single people so. having kids... It's like, I feel like it would be the same thing with marriage. If single, like, try to stay single. If you're going to stay single, then you might as well just stay, stay single, not with a kid. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, no. I feel like that argument kind of falls apart. Like, I think it's ideal for a child to grow up with, you know, an example of masculinity and femininity in the right. home. I, I just think, because you, you, it's the same thing with, like, having time. And... Is that child better off, uh, like, in the home? Or, you know, in the, the foster care system. Or that's funny. Because, are they better yeah. off in a single parent? Okay, actually, I, that's well, really... Uh, this might, oh, no, no, I'm not wrong. Oh, this might have to be a completely different cup Yeah, this has to I be. didn't mean to do Because... because no, 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 that's that's me and Eric, yes, you did. You me did. And I, Eric, I wanted that one question. Me and Eric have actually had this... It, I'm not going to get into it because I don't want this to be a completely different podcast, but me and Eric have been struggling with something similar of, like, it's a kid better off in an orphanage than with... A single parent. I would say almost a, certainly in a single parent. Or household. in a different scenario, which I'm not, which I'll explain, can explain it, you don't have to, this. But I think if you're a Christian couple, I think you should try. I, well, I'm, I I'm not should. saying whether or not you think that it should be. I, yes, there's so I think many God, kids, yes. Like, I do think it, it is. Is it a biblical mandate for believers who are married to have children or to uh, yes i mean in your case yes. you think that they should I think adopt so. which i think is a great thing i i think but it like is. is it a necessary i think i think it is my personal opinion biological children or both because okay I think so both. they need to birth their own kids and adopt no i'm just saying like if you can't both one, to at least do one, one of, at least one or both you can do both but i'm not saying you have to oh, that option i think but, but again I, I would say so you had the creation mandate that says be fruitful and multiply. Right, right. And I would say that the way that that get, gets appropriated in the in the new covenant is discipleship. Amen. And so, like, you know, I have my wife and I, we've not been able to have kids. Um, we want kids. We've never not wanted to have kids as long as we've been married. And it just hasn't happened for us. And I think that if there's a command that God commands his people to do, he expects them to do it and he enables them to do it. And so I would not say that that's, you know, biological reproduction is a command um, 
for every believer, but I think they should be focused on uh, discipleship of the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so if that means, so like, you know, with Nicole and I, we work with the youth and I teach at my school. Like I am very, I try to be very intentional about the rearing, the upbringing of the next generation, specifically of young men, but also, you know, of girls. Mm -hmm. And um, like I, I have been, I think I've found myself uniquely situated to live a life where I'm able to do a lot, a lot, a lot of discipleship work. I mean, people, I think I might have said this even on the podcast before, people ask me, not too frequently, thank God, but they say like, oh, where do you want to be in five years? You know, or why don't you, why aren't you trying <laughs> to, seriously, no, or, or I'm, people, I'm there with you. people will say like, you know, have you ever, like, are you trying to put out resumes and become like a full-time pastor somewhere? Or are you trying to leverage for a full-time position at the church where you are now or this, that, or the other? People say, where do you want to be in five years? And I'm like, I just want to be making disciples. Mm -hmm. And I honestly feel like I am doing more and deeper discipleship work now as like a full-time Christian school teacher and a part-time youth ministry director than most full-time pastors get to do. Like, I get to have hours and hours, especially with my school kids. And we talk a lot about, like, manhood and womanhood and, and Christian finance and Christian views of, like, uh, you know, marriage or Christian views of music and culture and all those sorts of things. So I think that that's the way that the creation mandate would play out in the New Kingdom is, like, you need to be focused on the training and rearing and nurturing and loving on the next generation of believers. And if God enables that to be believers in your house, then that's great. Um, but if not, like there's a church full of kids, a lot of whom like their parents are either, you know, not in the picture or not as biblically literate. Maybe they really are trying to be, uh, you know, good discipling parents, but they just don't have the biblical knowledge to, to put them in the right direction. And that's why God put you in that kid's life. Mm -hmm. I would I'll also say, uh, so my friend Mike, uh, Mike Priest, he, he would... <laughs> Wait, what? My, his name's Mike Priest. He's a priest. Oh, I, we all heard no, no, my Mike priest. priest. Yeah. Uh, and so I was Mike, like, so you, no. how did you get your Mike own priest? priest. <laughs> it's, it's like, like uh, wait, what's the story in Judges? Yeah. Right? Oh, where he's like, I have my own Levite. <laughs> yeah, my own Levite, my um, own God <laughs> statue. So we... We've had a conversation with like this, like if Christian should have kids, and he even goes as far as like saying, um, any couple that prevents parents from having kids is like against God's creation for you. Because, any, any couple? Yeah, so like, like a vasectomy. Yeah, like any married like, couple that like, takes like, measures to have kids. Yeah, I was thinking uh, any think couple even, that prevents another couple. No, he's I was saying, like, what are they doing? And that's even, what I thought. Even, <laughs> even using like protection and using like he thinks that that's is a, he Catholic? No, yeah, with an English like priest. No, because he yeah. thinks yeah. because he honestly does think like that's against God's. He's like you're preventing something that God could create. You like you. He he sees it. I don't want to kind of see it this way, but he sees it like. You could be giving life to a child, and you're preventing that. You're preventing God's That's beautiful like child. He doesn't consider it mortal, but he's like, you're, what you're doing, you're stopping God's, the most beautiful thing is a human life. He's saying you're, just, you're preventing that. And I mm -hmm. kind, I don't really see it as like mm. that deep, mm -hmm. but I do see yeah, it I like. I don't know if I can believe I can throw a monkey wrench into God's ever, plans. Is he? I don't ever, know if I can go. God, you wanted me to have a kid, but got one on you, science. Because you wouldn't say it's a milestone. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, you see, okay, we got to go anyway, back to that. Yeah, that'll be <laughs> that's another podcast because yeah. I have more to say on that there, too. But. There's no uh, way. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is just a summary of the, what that position comes from. So uh, the Catholic position, it's called natural theology. It's, it's, the focus is um, what's called uh, teleology. So it's what basically the, the last, but the, the end of result things, of things, yeah. the purpose of things. Um, so it looks at the natural world and says, what's the purpose? The purpose of an acorn is to be a tree. Anything that halts an acorn from becoming a tree is against nature. It comes from Aristotle, not from scripture. Mm -hmm. um, so St. Thomas Aquinas was the one who first proposed this idea because he was very into Aristotle. And I don't think that all is bad. Um, but the Did I, he for, say for squirrels him, are against nature? Because they stop acorns from becoming. <laughs> this is Thomas yeah, Aquinas. They also plant, plant the acorns to be the trees. So, so, his, yeah. so his view of the universe is that that God has the universe and it's made to go to reach to certain ends, hmm. and the, the destiny of God is to get the universe to that end. So anything that prevents that is anti-God. So Saint Tom, um, um, Thomas Aquinas would say, because you brought up the point of any sex that doesn't result in a baby is that sinful. Saint or, uh, Thomas Aquinas says absolutely. If huh. it does not result in a baby, you have sinned by having sex with your e wife. Even if it wasn't uh, purposeful to not yeah, have a that, baby? That... If, it, if you were purposing and like uh, it was a miscarriage, no. But if you if you had sex just for pleasure, that was sinful. And with protection, punished. let's say. Yeah. With protection, absolutely. Yeah. That's why Catholics pushed against any kind of funding for contraception. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it all comes from. But and then the idea of so any, any kind of sex that your doesn't result... Your question was different, though. No, if... if um, I, was, I was saying if there... In, they, their intention with sex was not to, like, uh, conceive. Well, uh, no, I wasn't even going to say that. The, the Catholics did not have this notion that sex was there for pleasure. It was mainly there it was, for procreation. It was only for. Yeah. But, 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 like, like if they weren't trying to prevent themselves and they had sex, but then a child did not result from it, it would yeah. still be counted as, as That's wrong. Right. You're saying, no, like, no, no. like, what if it was. So, the, Sam's question is, like, what if it was the wrong time of the month and they had sex and right, obviously and that just didn't, didn't happen. happen? So if the, if the couple were. If there was a couple and they were trying to get pregnant uh -huh. and then they either they didn't conceive or there was an. Um, not. Uh, there was a miscarriage or the baby died in infancy. That's not against it because they were the, yeah. the intention of that yeah. union was to make a baby and then God had it that the baby wasn't made. That was in God's okay. hands. But if you got together and you were just like, we want to do this just for the sake of our own pleasure, just for the sake of two people being more intimate with one another, no, in, no plans huh. to make a baby, that's wrong. That's why he also says that self-pleasure is wrong because there's no intent and no possibility of making a child. That's how he couches huh. all of those things as wrong. It's actually, I, I was just reading on that. It's, it's kind of related to this because uh, in comes the Reformation and they kind of start rethinking. Is this your question you're going to? Uh, my, my question can hit on all of this kind of stuff, but I know you had something to say. Mine's going to be different. like a bigger, what's, what's your? No, head? go ahead. Go, just go ahead with what you were going to say. Well, so what I've been um, thinking about and I have, you know, when, when doing research, I, I, I don't know why I'm putting my mask on. It's just if I had it. Um, but because <laughs> this has, <laughs> like, I, I, I read up on the fact mm -hmm. of, of the difference between what Catholics believe about mm -hmm. marriage and, and this. And um, I think both sides got things really wrong uh, because I think the whole reason, like I, like I was saying, the whole, really the whole reason, the exception clause, what Matthew says really came to the forefront was because of the Reformation. Before then, nobody was really asking those questions. Now you can say, well, not everybody had a Bible. Sure. But, I mean, the people who did have Bibles weren't really asking that question that there must be something there. Or maybe not. We could debate that. But, so my question, 
has to do with the fact that you know having seen these things um i don't know if you still want to talk about the whole free marriage idea that we've brought up but for me like i think you've said and, and i would reiterate i think that that kind of those ideas that are espoused by that is um blasphemous so i don't see i guess my question is how do we view churches that teach that how do you view pastors that teach that teach which which what which that if you've remarried remain in that remarriage and and let's just say the divorce and remarriage for any cause okay okay if you want because i mean my thing my thing wasn't even so much a question but i think it just i can say it even now is this is huge like i i was talking to somebody and i said okay and this person works for a secular uh organization i don't know maybe like 200 employees and I said okay how many people do you know do you work with that are um you know homosexual and she's like I think maybe one maybe two and I was like okay how many people do you know that there that are transgender she's like oh none and uh and how much of a fuss and I, you know I don't think that it's wrong that the church will say things mm-hmm. you know even with some frequency about you know those issues and but then I asked like how many people do you work with that are divorced and she's like oh tons you mm-hmm. know and if you were to look at our church or our nation or whatever mm-hmm. it's like the things that we're spending a lot of time talking about and like I said not wrongfully so but it's it's like um, we have to fight these fires. battles what's that they're bigger fires yeah, yeah like we have to fight these battles because we've lost the forts that are further <laughs> further back and uh, so Doug Wilson who I know is a very divisive guy. But he said somebody was talking to him and he goes, oh, you Christians, you know, you make such a big deal out of about, um, you know, sexual purity when it comes to like gay sex or when it comes to the transgender issue. But like you guys never uh, call people out for like divorce or um, well, he specifically said divorce. And Doug Wilson goes, yeah, I do. He's like, I, maybe you're talking about evangelicalism as a whole doesn't. But like I do. I do preach on these things. And um, I'm, I'm thinking like, OK, from the pulpit. How often would you say, like, the average American pastor brings up, you know, the, the gay marriage issue? And let's say the, the pastor that's not, like, in some weird um, Episcopal, like, affirming whatever church, uh, but, like, the, the biblical pastor. Like, how often does he bring it up? Okay, how often does he bring up divorce? Do you think that the fact that he has a ton of divorced people in his congregation has anything to do with the frequency with which he brings it up? I would think so. I definitely think so. And so you're asking, and th- this is why, sorry, I didn't mean to to hijack or anything but i think no. it leads right back to this question of how are we supposed to feel about people who pastors who who preach these things and this is something that i'm you know personally going through so well yeah and me too is this and... a is this a leaving issue well you know the answer for yeah me. and i mean if you're willing to call it blasphemy so 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 what i would say is this like um and this is the question i'm asking would you guys remain at a church where you find out that your pastor would teach that gay marriage is okay and i'd say no no and neither would i and so for me i was like well then this is pretty easy or not easy decision but like it's a simple decision mm-hmm. um what is more difficult just because like this this really affected me as an emotional because one i mean i guess i was i've and i still to this day like I, i'm really frightened of becoming a kind of 
pastor that seems to just not be able to see when they're in such error. Yeah. Um, that frightens like the crap out of me. Uh, but not not only that, but like um, to think of someone that maybe I know on a more personal level, or even because I've I've mentioned his name, John Piper. I'll mention, well, yeah. Uh, I'll just I just use John Piper as an example. But do you know like Mark Durbin? Um, maybe. Apologia. So, not Jeff Durbin. Jeff Durbin. Jeff Mark Durbin. Yeah. Mark yeah. Oh gosh, I know who that is. He's one of the guys who's actually talking me into theonomic postmillennialism. Oh no. Mm. Well, so Jeff Durbin. Um, here's here's I think this might uh, open your eyes to why not to be a theonomist, but one of the. Uh, more modern leaders of, of theonomy. I think he passed away, uh, but Greg Bonson, do you know Greg Bonson? I know of him, yeah. You've heard uh, Jeff mention him yet or no? I probably have, uh, but I don't know specifically what you're going to talk about. Well, so he uh, has taught, and Jeff has, Jeff has taught in his church, there's videos of it, where Pornea has got actually a grander, or a, a broader scope than just any sexual sin. So if you fail to provide for your wife or you know, I guess abuse of any kind, um, just different things. I'd have to read really, it. Doesn't wash the like dishes that. well. No, no, not not like that. But it's just um, mm -hmm. he goes off of uh, something that it yeah, says. The word in means deep moral evil. Right. Mm -hmm. She looks at another man's direction. <laughs> no, no, but think, but just, just, just it's more than just a sexual. Direction. It's just more than just a sexual uh, mm -hmm. thing in, in nature. But that would does, you, what would you, you just brought up, I think, jokingly, does bring up another point. Um, that that's what the Pharisees were asking. Well, no, with, with what Jesus talks about, when you said, does eye contact, if there's lust in her heart, that's absolute adultery, according mm -hmm. to Christ. Mm -hmm. So I think we forget that as well, mm -hmm. about where mm -hmm. Christ pulls the law back and says, it's the law goes way further than you think it does. And in that section, he even talks about how divorce, like why was there, you know, Moses said we could write with the severe divorce. He says, from the beginning it was not so, it was because mm -hmm. of your weakness. I think there is a level of the weakness involved in why divorces and why that stuff happens um and i i don't want to say like you just deal with the congregation that you have too because people are going to come and they're going to be in different situations but i think the tough thing is the situations that we talk about with the exception clauses are so few the reasons for divorces mm -hmm. like if you take out about the yeah. percentage of okay so worth was there sexual yeah. immorality was there abuse was yeah. there um them abandoning you and most and cases, usually, the, yeah. the reason is an argument. Yeah. yeah. And that, I think, is something we do need to... And need that's, to that's something yeah. I said kind of tongue-in-cheek last time, is like, a lot of times it's not, oh, he cheated, and it and it's unrepentant. It's unrepentant adultery. No, it's like, well, she got really into her music career, and I got really into my hat business. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know... We, no, absolutely. You know, or or, or, or people, people yeah, say, well, I, I just said that... Because hat business a lot. I specifically I said I was I referencing did. the I conversation know, just, from two times. He quoted anyway, himself. Anyway. I don't know. I feel like he's got a, Travis got a notebook somewhere. Like, my idea for a hat. <laughs> Soon I'll drop this to the guys. <laughs> this, this, but I'm not ready yet. This podcast brought to you by Burgers Hats. Burgers Hats. Coming soon to nowhere, uh, to um, near, but near. but really it, it, and this is the other thing that I said is you have these pastors who try to sound really um, grave or sincere, and they go, oh, you know, most people would be okay with uh, adultery in these ten cases, but for me, I'm super strict, and I only uh, think that it's legitimate in these three cases. And then there's people in their church that for like fifty different cases, right. for fifty dis different re for any cause, yeah, for any reason, well, and they're just divorced, and the pastor's like. Well, this is the this is the non ideal situation that we find ourselves in, and so and I, I think that really, 
there is a sincerity to that. It's like we we still haven't addressed the issue, and I know that we've been kind of building toward this issue. But like, uh, what do you do when the couple comes to your church and they're married? But both have been divorced from previous marriages, and they have a child from his previous, a child from her previous, and a child from their current marriage. Yeah. What do you counsel them to do? And they they both profess that they and their ex-spouses were all professing believers yeah. through the whole ordeal. So um, I want to hit on that. I think that's very good. You want to hit on I, me? No. But uh, what what uh, what you were saying before, right? What was it that you were with? Uh, oh, yeah. So like hats the hats and stuff the, the thing with the remarriage uh doctrine that that's being taught by i mean some some well-known pastors mm-hmm. even it, it's like it makes at the end of the day the exception clause not matter yeah mm-hmm. so because you're not acting like it matters yeah like that's what i'm trying you know so like the article that said like um so it was saying like hey if people have remarried let them remain remarried it also goes on to say if a couple comes to your church that has been priorly like you know married to someone else and they want to get married don't marry them because the sanctioning of it is, is sinful. adultery yeah well yeah and it's like you would have sinned because this is not and i'm like so if it's like if it's wrong how does it become right like what you've asked and it's mm. just void of any kind of good arguments mm. but um to what you were asking i think that's a good question it's what what and Sam and I have talked about this. I feel like the call for the husband and the wife is to remain together the, the, in the original marriage, mm-hmm. the lawful ones. So you so, would counsel that couple to yeah. split? Yes. Okay. She takes her kid to her previous ma- husband, and he's already remarried. So, like, right. and he's not trying to be a member of your church. Yeah. So, the, and this is a very big It's messy. Because it's people. Right. But here's because the it, did I mean, the sin in the first place that yeah. caused this problem. Well, and <laughs> I feel like... And because know. evangelicalism told them that that was fine. Exactly. You it's know, fine. evangelicalism told them like, oh, you know, well, it, if, if, you know, if it's adultery, but also if it's abuse, also if it's abandonment, also if it's hats, also if it's, you know, it's like you fell out of love. Like, how many times have you heard that? Like, you, well, we, I mean, I know people, I'm thinking of people right now that they're, mm-hmm. oh, we just fell out of love. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what were we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. remain faithful? Like, stick through it? Like, come on, what were we supposed to do? Like, honor our vows that said, till death do us part? No, I wasn't happy in the moment. I yawned so, when I said death, so really. Yeah, it wasn't. I had my fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> I think we want to keep that in balance, too, because I think there's some degree to which it's, we're saying it's okay, then some, some degree to which they don't care. Mm. I, I had a friend of mine that was talking about a story where he was counseling, uh, like, a very dear friend and a pastor to a um, what that he was counseling? He was counseling to a friend, dear, very dear friend, and I think he was a, um, the guy was a minister, or had been a minister, and he was talking about, like, leaving his wife and going to this person that he had fallen in love with, and so my friend told him, said, hey, you know, this, well, the scriptures were really clear on this, and he stopped him, he's like, listen, I'm going to stop you right there, I know what the scriptures say, I don't care. Yeah, and dude, so what am I supposed to, to say to you? That, yeah, there's a level to where yeah. that's happening as well, because people are... People. Well, then um, I'd, I'd say you're dealing with a non-believer yeah. in that case. Someone who said, I know what God's revealed will is, mm-hmm. but I don't care about that. And I'm going to pursue, I'm going to exercise my lordship over my life mm-hmm. and refuse to allow God to exercise his lordship over my life. Mm-hmm. Like that is so I, just, my heart would, would break. Yeah, like you if, would drop that person as a, you would classify that person as a non-believer. Yeah. In that, I'd say in I that conversation, too. I'd say, look, I'm calling, you have professed pr- faith. I'm calling you to, to live by the profession of faith that you're doing. But it's like, if that person leaves the faith, so, then it's becoming manifest that they were never legitimately of us. 
it, that that alone doesn't bother me. But then I would say like, well, what would you say to people who are go, okay, well, I I know, um, I I know pornography is wrong, but uh, I I still struggle with that sexual temptation and I mm-hmm. still succumb to it. Or people who go, well, I know drunkenness is wrong, mm-hmm. but uh, the lure of the drink still calls me, and mm. I still get drunk. That's on the already weekdays. a different scenario than, than we're talking about, though, because that's someone who's struggling with something that they know is wrong, versus someone that, who that's says, like I Paul, know what, I know it's commanded this. I don't care. Yeah. I'm going to do that's it. That's like anyway. Paul saying, I like, yeah. but isn't, isn't I know what I should do in the moment, isn't it? No, I know that if well, I drink now, I be, I will be I will get drunk. Yeah. I don't care. The pleasure of drunkenness mm-hmm. that's is, that's also different. I would say because. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm asking a legitimate question. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm yeah. you, and you're asking a very like this is okay, one yeah. of the things. Just a if side note: if we go on sinning, well, no, there but, remains no sacrifice. Right. Well, Should we deal with that? Hold, hold on. So, like, just as a side note, this is why I really want to talk about this because from this conversation, just divorce and stuff, I've said this before. You can springboard to a lot of yeah. issues. Yeah. It becomes a salvation issue. Yeah. And so when you're talking about like, I have to. So, you've heard it. Uh, now I'm going to sound like Jesus. Mm-hmm. You've heard it said. But um, I say unto you. I say, but like you, I, I remember being told like, oh, if you if it's a habitual sin, it's a problem. But if it's if it's just like you're just substantial, yeah, yeah. And it's like um, I think what you're getting. Hold on, hold on. So I think what 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 Miguel is getting at is like um, because and and this this speaks to me because I do sin. I know what Scripture says, and I still do it. I don't really want to do That's it. That's also mm-hmm. everyone. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So is what's really the fundamental difference between the the difference is because you are now living a lifestyle that you've made under a false um not contract what's the word i'm trying to covenant Covenant, thank you Uh, yeah your your entire life is now based around this sin in your scenario we were talking about someone dealing with pornography for instance which would be similar in a sense to this this false union of these two people that should not be uh in this marriage um is that it's like that is a vice they have, and that is something they struggle with, but that's that's not their lifestyle. That's like they might succumb to it on occasion and because everyone does with sin. We all sin every day because we're I imperfect. I think there's well, go ahead. But 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 when it comes to like I've decided, even though I know this is wrong, that I'm going to be in this covenant relationship for the rest of my life, and that is obviously against God, and you're constantly aware of that, that's different than, than like, in the moment giving into a sin that you have a problem with. And I, th- I think there's even an easier way of um, maybe categorizing it. It's like the person repents. Yeah. It's right. like you that's repent, right. and then you, okay. you wind up failing, mm-hmm. and you, you know, you, you uh, stumble off the path. You know, you, you read Pilgrim's Progress, and it's okay. like, just stay on the, the road that's really straight, and that'll take you there. It's like, well, what about this one that curves a little mm-hmm. bit to the... No, the straight one. Like, stay yeah. on... And so you make these, you know, wicked, like, rebellious decisions, and you go off, but then it's like, man, I'm rebel- I, I'm in rebellion right now. I need to get back on the path. And you repent. You do an about-face. Mm-hmm. And that person... I mean, okay, what if this guy says, I know what God's Word says, but this marriage is intolerable right now. Like, I, I'm just going to go... And then, like, he has a fight with his wife, and he, you know, even goes down to the courthouse, and he get, he submits mm-hmm. the papers... And then he repents and he's like, what am I doing? Like, this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, and, and hey, what if they both even sign the papers? And he's like, no, I, I repent. Like, and they, mm-hmm. they reconcile. Like, there's, there is uh, repentance that's happening mm-hmm. there. That's, so. 
and not to like I I had I thought you had a great argument, Sam. But I was like, let's see. I feel like the issue is like it's where you're operating from because mm-hmm. I feel like some people, um, I don't know if I would say are addicted to relationship, mm-hmm. um, but some people do not operate or function alone. Yeah, and have always need. So I was, I was like, man, like I have. But like I think I think well, you had the linchpin, yeah, well, which was repentance. the repentance. Yeah, yeah. Which okay, that I think that's is. That's the yeah. thing is that when when he's sitting in the situation, he's confronted this guy, and I guess that I don't care. That's when the first step of church discipline to takes place, where he yeah. says, "I'm calling you to repentance." Mm-hmm. And if he says right then and there, you know what, you're right. That's a believer that was struggling. You brought him back. Yeah, and it says yeah. to rejoice over that. Yeah, you yeah. Have, you've redeemed well, your brother. Your brother yeah, you've won your brother. Yeah, there's there's several steps, and then you you that was really good for me. You cast them out, right? Um, I don't think even at the point of casting them out to necessarily treat him as a non-believer because like you see, I think at least three examples of Paul doing this kind of stuff. And he always, I think on all three times, he's talking about these people he's casted out as though they're going to return. Now, granted, he's a freaking apostle. He probably has <laughs> more knowledge about these things than we do. I think this is one of the most mysterious uh and maybe we make it more mysterious. I don't know, but like when when someone is saved and one is when, is, when someone mm-hmm. is not saved, I don't always feel saved, and mm-hmm. I hate it. Yeah. To be honest with you, but then like periods of doubt, periods mm-hmm. of feeling you, like you a go, phony. Yeah. yeah, and then you just go back to sinning anyways. It doesn't matter if it's a lie mm-hmm. or or you're giving into anger or mm-hmm. you said pornography, drunkenness, mm-hmm. whatever it is, lusting after another person. You know, um, it's just like. So at what point do I want to treat someone as, as a non-believer? Mm-hmm. It's more like a practical thing than yeah, I think exactly. of, of a step. Yeah, exactly. 100%. And, yeah. and that, that's like a 1 Corinthians 5 type of issue. And we talked about this at, an, at a different podcast where it's like, okay, you, you turn them over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Rah, rah, rah. Well, why? So that God might save their soul. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, look, um, if, if you're, let's, let's just say you're a brother. You're a brother who right now is living in open, unrepentant sin, like, you need to be out from the body so that this sin doesn't like overflow and start mm-hmm. to, you know, cause maybe gossip or maybe like maybe there's more adultery that will wind up boiling over um, in the body. So we're putting you out of the body and but our hope is that God will chasten you back in. Mm-hmm. But if not, maybe like you'll just fall prey to some, you know, demonic Mack truck that mm-hmm. hits you and kills you. And then God will save your soul. Mm-hmm. It's like God, um, like, I don't know hitting the hitting the stop button on the movie before it can get mm-hmm. any worse mm-hmm. and then he just like yoinks you out of yeah because i think with i think one route. of the intentions and this might be conjecture for me versus like solidly from scripture but i think one of the reasons why it's said to take that person and treat him uh like an unbeliever mm-hmm. tax yeah. collector is because for yeah. someone who has been redeemed the most painful thing is not being part of the body Mm-hmm. and being yeah. out, treated as an outsider and not being part of the fellowship. Yeah. And so that extreme treatment would bring you to repentance because it's like, oh man, this is the weight of my sin. I'm feeling it. Yeah. I'm feeling how much this is costing me. I don't want this. I want to be back there. Yeah. And that's the hope is that it restores that way as well. And that, that's, a, that's a sign. That's a fruit yeah. of, of, I mean, the spirit. And if the spirits are, like, my students will ask me, okay, if, if you're a, a teenager and you go to a fundamentalist um, school, or church or whatever, and you say, look, I, I, I think I'm a Christian, but I just feel unsure sometimes. Like, how can I be sure that I'm a Christian? Usually what they're going to do is they're going to say, well, can you go back to a time in your life when you prayed and asked Jesus into your heart? Mm. And like, well, and, and the kid will go, well, yeah, you know, when I was at this revival or whatever. And they'll go, okay, well, did you mean it? Like, were you sincere? 
It's like you're asking that 15 year old to gauge the sincerity of their prayer or their mm-hmm. and it's like and I, I've told them and I actually had to give this speech recently uh, with some with some people in the room that uh, were like adults and I was like I hope they don't I don't know maybe maybe they'll feel like I'm uh, getting onto them in particular I don't know that they did in particular they did it but um, just I'm gonna have to say some things that are gonna might put me in hot water but it's like that's not what I would tell you to do mm. I would tell you what the Bible says is like examine yourself yeah. to see whether you be in the faith and if you go yeah, I'm a Christian, and, like, my sin doesn't bother me, and I have no hunger for the Word, and I don't care whether I'm around God's people, and church is a bore, and, you know, all, all these other things. It's like... Jesus is not important yeah, to me. Yeah, like, I, I don't no care about holiness. I, had, I, don't care my, I don't care about my sin. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's what, that's what so many evangelicals who've been Christians, or who've been in the visible church, whatever, for 50 years... It's like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sure there's pretty cool stuff in that Bible. I never really read it other than mm-hmm. when I'm at church. It's like, there's no hunger for the word in you. There's no hunger for like, you know, a, a men's theology group or like a, you know, a, a time to get together and to get mm-hmm. deep into the word. Your your sin doesn't bother you, you're telling me? Like, you've not been growing in holiness for 50 years? Like, you're telling me that the one that began a good work in you mm-hmm. is not seeing it through, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And and like, I, I, I can't mm-hmm. believe I- that. I can't believe that God would be so lazy. I think what I love about that approach, the first thing I love about that approach is it comes from Scripture about the examine yourself. You got yeah, some, yeah, yeah. got some for there, but I think the big thing I love about, like, bigger you know, like, than Scripture, like scripture more, more important. Well, no, like the thing that I love that, that Scripture just got so right because you know they, they did a good job. I'm just kidding. Good job, it God. does a good job everywhere. <laughs> but what's so great about that is that that's a grace based way to yeah. look at assurance. Yeah, because you're not saying. Did I was I able to achieve it based mm-hmm. on how much motive I how much heart I gave to it and was I able to be saved because of the prayers that I did and the works that I did? Mm-hmm. What you're talking about in the examining yourself is saying, where did God work in my life? Mm-hmm. Can I pinpoint where God has done great works, done gracious works in my life, where I was thinking this way and now I don't think that way anymore and I was mm-hmm. doing this and that? You're you're turning around and you're saying, Where am I looking for God's work? Mm-hmm. Instead of your question of being, Well, what did you do mm-hmm. to earn your salvation? Yeah. Um, and- well, they, yeah. this just gets back. If you believe like milestones, or fruit I was gonna say those, like those would be those would be milestones. <laughs> it, it, it goes back. Well, yeah, I believe milestones are predestined. I just believe everything else is too. Well, what I was um, gonna say is if, if if you have a church, Miguel, like if you really want to know why, one of the more serious issues we have with free will is like the questions of what did you do are gonna be asked by Arminians probably I say at least ninety percent of the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna be asked by people who believe in God's sovereignty Mm -hmm. and salvation, they want to know what God has done, not so much what you Mm -hmm. do. And the reason you think that way is because even though God is offering you something, you still have to take it. Mm -hmm. God can offer you a word, but when did you accept? extending his hand to you. Like, will you take it? Yeah. Yeah. When when have you accepted God's work? Mm -hmm. Okay, to bring this back to, like, the messiness of humans and especially with divorce, it's like, okay, now let's say you have just a guy. A guy comes to your church. And he's remarried, and it's like I am. I'm seeing what the scripture says. I feel like for the first time, like no one's ever preached to me like this before. No one's ever, no one's ever brought me to these passages and, and confronted me with my divorce like this. And I have a son with my now second wife. Um, and let's say he doesn't have any kids with his first wife, and he's like, okay, I'm I'm willing to do whatever Christ would expect of me. 
like, you know, I, I'm going to die to myself, I'm going to die to my family, I'm going to die to, you know, just, I'm going to hold everything in an open hand and pass it through the fire, and whatever God allows to, re- to remain in that hand, uh, once the wicked is burned up, like, that is what I will legitimately go with. So, uh, I, I didn't get to get to, but, like, what Sam and I had said, because these scenarios have been brought up, is, like, um, the person is not called to stop being a parent mm-hmm. to the child. It's really just stop being an adulterer. Mm-hmm. Really. And and to stop being a husband to that second wife. Yeah. Right. So would you say like maybe a joint custody situation? I think that's the best that you're going to mm-hmm. get out of it. Now, I do mm-hmm. like... I don't... And even if the first spouse wouldn't take them back, it's like what Dan was saying. It, it's not like God is guaranteeing you a spouse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You, know? you just or, can't be with them. Or like you'll be incomplete or he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been faithful if you're not able to get married again. The other thing, though, is if you, for this second marriage, um, that we would say would not be legitimate, you've made uh, at least an oath to mm-hmm. provide for that woman. I, I have a hard, because mm. I have a hard time counting, it's, I think it's just the gut reaction, I have a hard time counseling divorce to say, like, you need to get divorced mm-hmm. as a, as an answer to that. I feel like you still have an obligation to provide for that woman. I would counsel to Alimony? stop sleeping together. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would more of counsel separation. In that you would sense. say there's an obligation. Yeah, I, obligation I don't know that you because, have to call it divorce if you don't acknowledge it as a legitimate marriage. Well, but so here's here's what I would say is that um, didn't he also give the obligation to his former wife? That's true. Double so alimony. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that guy just lost a lot of money for being uh, stupid. But um. Uh, well. Let him finish this and then yeah. I'll end here. Uh, well, now I don't remember what I was going to say. Double alimony. He also made the oath to his first wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, but I think that was the point I was making with that, and I was going to say something else, and I don't. I'm sorry. Because I'm just trying to think of, like, now that we've kind of, we're, we're oh, still about, oh. like, what are the, pra- like, how would I practically counsel okay. someone in that situation? Not to say it's necessarily applicable, but it certainly parallels, um, and, uh, it's, it's actually in the Old Testament, which I find funny, but. What about Ezra and that giant? Yeah, divorce? I'm actually teaching about that and this gonna, Wednesday with our youth group. You're gonna see mass that divorce. the right thing to do was to divorce in a time, mm. or was that what happened? Yeah, and there it's pointed out that God never told Ezra to do that. Well, but like verbatim. Now Ezra is called a priest and he's called a, a prophet. Yeah. Okay, but and then there's other prophets who say things that God didn't necessarily put in their mouths. Okay, but so, then where does God tell Ezra anything? But I, yeah, I, I am of the opinion yeah. that he was making the right. It's yeah, just I someone it's might the, come at you. Yeah. Well, I would say the tone of the book yeah. is that Ezra is is making yeah. things right. Yeah. And so there was the divorce. It wasn't just a divorce from between the man and the woman. The children were also sent away. Yeah, mm. it says some of them had children. Now, I'm not saying it's necessarily applicable, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I just want to say just two things. One is, I don't know if you call this a loophole, but let's say, I'm going to use me in this. So I'll never do it, but mm-hmm. I just want to make that clear. But I have so, that David. Clear. so let's say, like, okay, I'm a Christian man. Okay. Right. And I start, okay, so would you say it's a sin? Paul says it's a key. You shouldn't do this, but would you say it's a sin if I start dating a non Christian? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So let's say I was okay. So it's now also very very stupid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a particular. No, no, stupid. I have a reason for that because the most core thing about you, the your your identity, what you're being fashioned to, is Jesus it's Christ, who yeah. they have want nothing to do with. 
How can you have an intimate connection with someone that is so opposite to you? Oh, you, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree with that because everything, basis. how I would want my marriage to be and my kids to be, I, I just don't think that would ever happen if I mm-hmm. were to date. And it's like, what's the Which purpose of dating? Yeah. Are you just yeah. like, oh, I like the way I feel around this person and I like, you know, going to the movies with them and holding hands and all that, you know, kind of stuff? Or no, is it like, I am hands. I am assessing mm-hmm. our compatibility to like join our homes together and to build something for the kingdom? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and what I, is dating? That's a good question for a. I think we did that. Well, I think I think it's like figuring out, you know, if you're compatible with a person. Yeah. You know, specifically. Um, so, could. So. No, I totally agree. I would, I honestly like, I would picture what I want my future to be mm-hmm. and me dating someone that's not Christian, I don't think. But anyways, okay, so mm-hmm. going back to this. Mm-hmm. So let's say so I start dating someone, then I marry that un-Christian. Then, okay. Could I just get divorced? Because she's not a Christian. Yeah. Okay, so then I do it again. I dated someone that's not Christian. I marry a non-Christian. I divorce. Would I'd that say be... a person who finds themselves in that situation is probably not a Christian. Okay. If they're just like, oh, so I found like, a loophole. They, they might, so let me hop from non-Christian. So I never, I never said that. Regardless, they're still committing sin even outside of that. In, it's not in... so much, the, the again, because this goes back to the core question. Did God put you together? No. So then the sin isn't divorcing. Because the whole point of what Jesus is saying, not to divorce because you're separating what God put together. So, but in this instance, it's a little different because it just seems like you want to just marry around and with non-believers. That's a really weird thing, but let's just say, let's just keep it to one. Let's say it's really complicated. Let's just say that you married a non-believer. If you're doing that, you're sleeping with all of them. Anyway. Right. Yeah. 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 So you're just, so it's, just a, it's just a string of adulterous right. relationships. Yeah. So that, yeah. So, so you my... marry, you marry, let's just keep it to one. Let's make it simple. You marry one. And let's say you had a change of heart, you realize what I did was wrong and you want to leave. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that because God did not put you together. Okay. But the sin was the marriage in the first place. Yes. Or the right. union. The yes. union. It's called a union. So the other thing, it's not even a question. Um, is okay. what you guys say a couple of that is before. A no, now this isn't a question. Oh. It's what you guys say a couple of times ago. Like, oh, how, how do we fix this? How, how do we tell pastors and preachers like this? I don't want to sound like a pessimist. But I it. don't think... It's possible, and I think it's such a dig, such they we dug ourselves in such a big grave. Well, don't America I, and evangelicalism? And I'm dug just such saying, a hole, yeah. Just worldwide now. I don't like. Wait, wait, wait. The reason I'm saying is that like, I don't, want, I don't. I'm not trying to make it into a different subject, but I'm saying it's like, I told, I told my parents this. I tell a lot of people this. It's like it's kind of like with the whole like, the adoption thing. It is now like, it's not going to be possible for. Christians to start adopting more than they are now. I just don't think it's possible. Just because no matter what I say, no matter how many people say it, it hasn't not, been built into the culture. It has not built. Yeah. Trust me, I have like, I have, and I know it could be different, but I'm saying is that I have legit made videos after videos after videos, posting stuff, emailing people, families who are like telling people they should adopt and nothing has happened. I'm not saying like it's impossible, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. without I'm going to say use this well, without a miracle, it will not happen. Well, Christians without, do adopt at a much higher rate than yeah, but non-believers. Again, this is going to be a different podcast, but I tell you, oh, it's, it's going to be a good podcast. 5%. 5% of Christians adopt. I think especially if this is like a it's, huge thing for you, I'd yeah. say you have an obligation to 
adopt. Right. And if you think that single people shouldn't adopt, then I think you have an obligation to find a wife. Right. No, and trust, trust me. But like, I, this is like, but I, like you speaking to thing, my inner skeptic. Yeah, but like, this I, is I, like I something see. I have been like super passionate about and something mm -hmm. like this needs to happen. It just does not ever happen mm -hmm. is Christians have to adopt. Mm -hmm. Or like when we see this in the podcast, but have to adopt or at least be helping another Christian to adopt. Like that is like it is. It, I feel like it has to, has to, has to happen. Because mm -hmm. five percent of Christians, five percent, and if Christianity is the number one, I would say the number one religion. Okay, and only five percent adopt. There are millions, millions of Christians who are doing, like, would you say, like, or getting divorced and thinking that's okay, and mm -hmm. saying, like, adoption is saying not adopting or not helping someone adopt is okay. Because, and as we said this other podcast, but those thinking, it is more better for our lives, better for the kingdom of heaven, to put more money and paying a pastor more and paying for a better playground than for kids <laughs> who aren't. Who aren't getting like who aren't being feeling loved yeah. like that is like I have like a great example is I said this on the podcast is that like imagine you're in a room think of the most po the person that you love absolutely the most wife brother sister doesn't matter <laughs> think of the number one person you absolutely love and you're in a room and you, you look out the window and you see that person no one's taking care of that person that person is everyone's ignoring that person no one even knows that person exists would you not call up a friend or would you not just tell ask begging for help asking anybody hey go help this person please go love on this person for me like i i will i would do my best are you i will try to pay for all the financial i would try my best to give you support to go help this person i dearly love because no one's loving this person if i can't then i will help you go love this person that's what i'm saying god is doing god is telling us that his children of not being loved or being ignored and he's telling I feel I promise you I feel like if Christians were to go and adopt God will provide God will not ignore the people that are trying to help his children God will provide or he will help make other people help provide for you he's not going to ignore his children he's yeah. not going to do that and so that's one thing I am struggling with is that like what what is the reason why Christians aren't adopting and it's the number one thing is because of finance and because so so when I made the video um, uh, I'm not trying to go off topic here and because but like so I, I messaged a whole bunch of missionaries and message missionaries who Christians who have not adopted or aren't helping anyone adopt I'm not saying every Christian should adopt but I'm saying if you are not adopting you should be the one helping to adopt and so okay. the reason is, is because one is finance, okay, and two is because this, this, this one shocked me, is because they don't think they could love the child as much as they, their own child. And that is the so freaking stupid. Like, can you imagine if God did that? Oh, I only love these people, but I'm not like, no, like that is such, like that is such a bad mentality. Of Christianity if you that's how you think you think you're, you're not gonna love this child because it didn't come from your own DNA then how 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 are you this a Christian life you're living that means you're loving other people more you're not loving everyone equivalently 
Like, if that's what Jesus did, then what? Then is that a God that I want to worship? No, it's I not. Think, I think this actually ties in really well with the with the divorce, like the culture thing, like the culture of adoption or the culture of how we deal with the divorce. And I think you're right that, like, with a church, um, it's going to be hard, if not impossible, to change. Like, if, if, if I was called to a church and it's like, oh, yeah, and I believe this about divorce, and so, like, all you divorced people... Like, let's have a meeting afterwards and let's get you split up and hooked up, hooked back up with your original spouses. I think if you wanted this to, this uh, view of divorce or this view of adoption to be ingrained into the DNA of a church, you'd have to plant that church. You'd have to go yeah. start that church from scratch and have it be part of the uh, culture from the word go. What would you say you that we, we ought to do that, that we have an obligation? That we should plant that. a church? Yeah, we have an obligation to do that. Uh, I just want to say one thing, and I'm, I just want to make this very clear that I'm not saying that every Christian should adopt, that God's calling them to adopt, but I think God is calling you to either to adopt or to help and support. Right. Yeah. That's that's the bottom line. Yeah. All right. I, yeah. All right. See you, dude. Uh, it's at 40 minutes. I'll, I'll listen to the rest. <laughs> okay. By the way, you guys can have the rest of that. I wish. Maybe um, I will attempt fate. So the... Then the question you had asked is like, okay, if, if I do believe that, that in order for there to be a church that has this as the culture, you go, um, that in order for that to, to exist, you have to go plant that church. Do I then have an obligation to plant the church? Um, or is it defensible to stick with a church that holds a view? And really, regardless of what the view is, you know, the practice is what it is yeah. uh, on divorce. And that, that is a question that I struggle with, you know, and especially like at my church and thinking of like the, the other sorts of things that I disagree with my elders on. And I think there has to be almost like a Luther moment where you cease trying to reform from within and like you, you stop banging your head against the wall of like, you know, uh, debating Johann Eck and debating, you know, this cardinal, Cahayton, this, this, you know, all mm-hmm. these people, and eventually it's like, well, I'm, I'll, I'll start my own, I'll baptize myself and yeah. start my own church. <laughs> right? I'm sorry. I think the question is, like, the question to me is like, is the church preaching that divorce is okay, or are they? Is it assumed? Or is there silence? Exactly. Yeah. Um, um, because I, I would say them. like, and and I don't. I don't, I'm going to think out loud on this one, because I don't know if I'm sold yet, but, like, if, you know, my pastor were up there, and he's like, all right, guys, so, like, divorce. Yeah, here's how. I'd be like, ooh, that's, that doesn't jive well, but if it's, like, divorce occurs, it's in, like, the, the con- there's individuals in the congregation going through divorce or, or being remarried, uh, and he's just not actively, like, bopping it like a freaking whack-a-mole because that's what it would be um i would have less issue um like he's not talking about it as much if you weren't if he's preaching that divorce is okay versus if he's just not preaching on divorce right Uh, well i think that's that's different but like you know he has this view regardless of whether he's preaching or not but i wouldn't know like, uh, you, like you would if you talked. And I, I think <laughs> I, I well, you know. that's okay. how I found out. Okay. Yeah. But that and that's actually a problem that I had was like this, uh, these issues are not expressed in 
like what members would have mm-hmm. as far as like the express doctrines of the church they don't have that yeah and uh nobody knows this and it's like why do you have this view that you would teach and counsel people that are going through these things and yet what's 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 given to me as a member what's given to the congregation is is not represented at all what you believe uh so that happened at the church and it was just more of like we're against divorce and i think the exception clause was like mentioned like this mm. is the reason why we believe mm. divorce is okay it's like yeah that's quite different because what you're going to counsel them on if they and and chances are they're going to probably think about marrying someone else and going down that mm-hmm. route it's like because if you can't catch them before divorcing i would say that the heart has gotten so hardened against one another right in a mm-hmm. very unhealthy way so what's next you know what else are they capable of doing it's very rare that they just stay alone and don't have like improper sex Mm -hmm. or whatever improper other unions yeah Yeah. so like they'll eventually get there and then if you're going to just accept them back into the church because you think that they should be married that way or if they they say hey i I got married and i just realized man i really shouldn't have done that right like isn't jesus say that's wrong and then you say like yes but ask god to forgive you and just continue doing it mm-hmm. basically like i know that's a more mm-hmm. simple version of what would happen but it's just mm-hmm. like um that's vastly different and just and that's why i kind of separate two issues it's like yes there's the idea of the exception clause but i think it's like i i sympathize with that because i was there mm-hmm. but after having all the information who and i'm not like a, you know i don't have a phd or anything this is just information that's available it's like like you can make a reasonable decision on this mm-hmm. um but the the other issue is like it c- kind of connected and kind of separate depending on who you are and it's like what you do with the remarriage because mm-hmm. like even if you believe like i think it's just adultery is one exception right and it's like that like someone who teaches remarriage is okay mm-hmm. despite whether or not hitting on that adultery it's like that should that should send you like that, that there should be alarm bells ringing right because mm-hmm. they're like hey this is the one exception that i do think is not even being addressed here like that's that has nothing to do with it so everybody should be on the same page i feel like when it comes to remarriage because the remarriage the whole idea behind that is like it doesn't matter if there are exceptions or not what matters is that there's a new marriage to them what matters to them is like you can't divorce mm-hmm. period which is so hypocritical because you allow people to divorce anyways mm-hmm. and you say it's you know and then you say like oh it's not a forgiveness like it's not the unforgivable sin it's like great but if i thought that i mean if the bible said that the only people who are going to go to hell are those who committed the unforgivable sin i mean great like let's just find out what the unforgivable sin is and let's not do it and like live the way we want to live but we know what it says in revelation what paul says in first mm-hmm. corinthians 6 so that's i don't want to say unfortunately but frightening frighteningly mm-hmm. it's frightening mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just not the case mm-hmm. Like, and Jesus didn't die for just, well, obviously he couldn't have died for those who are not going to be like the unforgivable sin because it's unforgivable. Mm-hmm. He had to die for the forgivable sin. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, that's my big issue. And like, when I'm viewing pastors and churches that teach this thing, whether secretly, which I think is more, mm-hmm. speaks a lot to that. You know, if you're doing it secretly, like why, if, if you're sure about this, why don't you just tell people, why aren't mm-hmm. you teaching this in the pulpit? Mm-hmm. Years I attended a church for years and never was it once top mm-hmm. um but anyway secretly or or out in the open it's like um i i struggle with that because i don't want to be 
I don't want to think the worst, but like to me, it's like at the end of the day, this, this goes back to what Miguel was like, something that we talked about when we were just talking about building a church. And this is like where I found myself at a crossroads. And it's like, this is, it's really one either or, right? Because Miguel did say like, hey, uh, if this guy is at least going to a, 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 a Christian church, even though they teach that, that being gay is okay or gay marriage is okay, at least there's a chance for them to get the gospel, right? Mm. It's like, it, you can either have that attitude where it's like, there's no perfect church. So some church is better than no some church. Some church is better than no church, right? And if that's the case, then I think like, then there really isn't, like that's what you view here. Like some church is better than no church. But then I feel like then we have to be more lenient to those churches who teach that homosexuality is okay or that gay marriage is okay because some church is better than no church. Or you have to... I don't know if I if I would agree with that statement though. I mean, I hope you would. You guys just switch sides <laughs> from... No, 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 no. Like I, like, I, like, just, I, I think some church is better than no church. Like, I think as someone who knows better, I would be like, hey, like, yeah, this church isn't for me, and I'd find elsewhere. But I don't think then the thing would be like, I would sit there and be like, but yes, your standard is lower because you are a entry level church. Our standard is high. Mm -hmm. I would, I would sit there and be like, no, like the, the standard should be higher, um, you know. But you don't but, find it essential. Like, think it's, it's someone inside the body or outside the body, depending mm -hmm. on. On that, the way I, I'm, I don't mean to get into them. The way I'm trying to like couch this on how would I do this as a really very practical case? Because like like we were saying, this gets really messy, and I don't think that should ever excuse us from calling out sin. Right, like right. oh, it's messy, but it does get messy because it's not like a lot of other sins. Because if you if you're, because I think that there's there's two parallels here. Like we have the idea of marriage, but we also have the idea of oaths and commitments. Mm -hmm. And you've made an oath, and it makes me a little bit tough to say. You know, oh, you can just dissolve the marriage and go for it. Like, you've made a promise to this person, and um, the Bible takes oaths very seriously and not breaking your oaths. Um, so I think that's the hard bit where I'm thinking, like, what would I do? Would I say, would I sit them down and say, yeah, just abandon that person that you've now, that you're now married to? Because that's mm. sinful. Because it's a, it's a situation where the, where they have gotten themselves into something that's a little bit more lasting. Like, mm. the, the, the circumstances are different. It, the same way I would say, it gets really difficult when you counsel someone who, who comes to faith, comes to you and says, I'm a, I'm a transgender person who has had a sex change operation. How, what do I do? Mm. You can't yeah. say like, well, you're going to be a man and, you know, get, uh, you know, get a wife and oh wait, you can't do that because your body is now more, is now different. How do you counsel that? And mm. it's just a difficult situation because the sin led to creating something that now is having a lasting effect. That's actually a really interesting uh, parallel is like, it, you ask a pastor, okay, this person comes to you, would you tell them to live in their current state, like to continue living in their current state? Like they've mm. they've had the cosmetic and hormonal and... Well, and, is that reversible? And, uh, it, not, 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 well, if you've had... I would assume not 100%. Yeah. Right. Yeah, your fertility is gone okay. once you once you transition. Mm -hmm. And then even to detransition, you know, your, your fertility mm -hmm. is still gone. Um, but it, it is cosmetically and hormonally reversible you do a lot a lot a lot of damage to yourself um mm -hmm. like when you hear about how these types of procedures are done mm -hmm. and what is like just things that you would not expect would be affected you know there's the things that are obviously affected but then there's the things that you would not expect to be affected and those get affected too and you're like man okay and now having to 
tell this person or ask this person to go back. It's like, I don't even know that I would necessarily say you have to have the reversing surgery. Um, but it's like you need God. Let's say God created you as a man and you had your transition and everything. But you need to go back as living to living as a man. Right. You know, and, and, um, I think the ooh, best and that that's probably going to mean mm-hmm. celibacy. Yeah, because the you best counsel I've given is to say, is they go to math or not Matthew. Um, I can't think of the the gospel but to live as a eunuch. Yeah, as so yeah. Some have made themselves yeah. eunuchs. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, it's the going, some are eunuchs for the kingdom. The, the, my my problem with the oaths, oh, just the, the dysphoria that occurs there and everything. Oh yeah. Like, hmm. yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah, sin has its its consequences. Um, and you know, we can't really do anything about it. We just do the best that we can. But the thing with the O's is there's no way to to do what you're saying without creating a double standard. Because mm-hmm. you're saying, okay, O's are important and you need to keep your O's here. Right. We, I think we all agree that O's yeah. are important. This oath making has violated that oath making. Previous oath, right. Yeah. Yeah. And, these oaths are made in sin. And I, yeah. and I know that and I do agree that God does consider that uh important Mm -hmm. um that's why i we don't have a single example in scripture where someone tries to undo oaths they made by making other oaths that would just contradict them Mm -hmm. and that's that's something that i put up to the pastors to bring up uh that were teaching this thing like i was like because they were were saying the same thing i was like well give me an example Mm -hmm. in scripture where someone has done it because i'm sure a lot of people would have gotten out of some really terrible binds Mm-hmm. By just simply saying, well, now I promise and vow to you, Lord, mm-hmm. that I will never do what I just said. And now God's yeah. going, well, now I have to go by that one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't make any sense. It's like you sign on a loan. Yeah. And like, God, I promise I'll never make these payments. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so go ahead and say, um, bring up the, the issue but, of the Gibeonites that, that um, you said you had talked to. Or you had heard people talk about it. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so John, John Piper makes this as an argument. And I and I think at the surface it might come off as a good argument. But it really is a terrible argument. In the book of Joshua. In the book of Joshua you have where the Israelites made a, a vow to the Gibeonites. Who deceived them mm-hmm. uh, into thinking that they weren't Canaanites. That they would be protected. Like they would not go after them. Um, and, and to the Israelites' faults they did not. Uh, seek God first in, in the whole ordeal. And so John Piper's uh, argument is that, look, um, even though they made a wrong uh, oath or covenant with the Gibeonites to protect them, yeah. which he would say violates the covenant they made with God, it's a, it's a covenant that violates another covenant, but God still blesses it. And so there's a precedence for this kind of stuff for the remarriage. I would say... My argument against that is that, one, the precedent for that is not with the Gibeonites. The precedent for that is actually with Rahab. With the, with the spies, they make a covenant with her. Mm-hmm. And it's not just for her, it's her family and their families mm-hmm. that they'll be spared. They are Canaanites. How can they make this? And God has nothing to say. That, that to me is a big indicator because you know reading through Judges, if something goes awry, like if, if one of them violates what God wants, he does something. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So... When so with the whole thing with Rahab, it happened. Nothing bad happens. But when God told the Israelites, and Joshua tells the Israelites, when you go in to plunder the city, take no no booty for yourself, right? It's just destroy the city, destroy everything, right? And there was I forgot what his name was. I know it starts with an A, but one of Aiken. the guys, Achan. 
Achan violates that, right? Mm-hmm. What's the next thing that happens? The Israelites lose the battle. And it's mm-hmm. not even like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm judging wrong, but like, I, I know like 36 people died. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about thousands of people involved. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's not a big deal. But anyway, <laughs> maybe I'm so desensitized. But they are crying out to God, like, why did we lose? Why did you abandon us? And God explains to them, right? Mm-hmm. So nothing happens with Rahab. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens with the Gibeonites in that uh, way, except for someone does get cursed. Those are the Gibeonites. Because mm-hmm. Joshua says to them, you're not getting off with this, like, scot-free. You're going to be our slaves for the rest of your existence, right? Mm-hmm. And I know, again, like I said, where God will do something if something to that nature gets violated. I feel like I lost hearing in my ear. That's weird. Hmm. Um, <laughs> it was really weird. Anyways. Um, it's God doing something. It's God doing something. <laughs> or maybe it opened up. I don't know. But the Gibeonites, later on, I think it's in 2 Samuel, There's a, it mentions how Saul wanted to wipe out the Gibeonites. Hmm. Right? I guess in his mind, he's like, man, they got away with tricking us or whatever. And he, he kills a lot of them. And then there's a, I, well, yeah, I think there's like a famine that happens to Israel. Something bad happens to Israel. And David inquires of God, and God says it's because Saul went after the Gibeonites, even though you guys made a vow. So mm. the story with the Gibeonites actually teaches you to keep your vows, mm-hmm. not to um, make a vow that that violates another vow. Mm-hmm. If that had happened, if if God's covenant had been violated by Israel, I know for a fact because it happens every single time they do, God would have done something about it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about That's why... I... So, but wouldn't you say, like, and I'm trying to see Piper's point on this and maybe play Piper's advocate, <laughs> is like, you know, he would say, yeah, they made a vow that was in contradiction to a previous um, covenant right. that they had with God, which yeah. was that they weren't supposed to make oaths with these people. They were supposed to wipe them out. Yeah. And so then they, they uh, against that previous covenant... They make another oath, and they're still required to abide by that oath. Yeah. So wouldn't it, he would probably say, you know, against this first marriage, you made vows to a second woman, and you need to abide by those second vows. Right. So two things. Again, uh, the first thing I've already said, how did you know that God wanted them to keep the covenant with the Gibeonites? Because he punished them for not doing so. Well, he's not going to do that in this time. Well, oh, like with the like marriage? Like he's not going yeah. to cause 36 people yeah, but to die. Yeah, but I'm arguing against that somehow there was a violation of God's covenant with Israel by them making that, that, that thing. You don't think that that was a violation? For no. them to make a vow to the Gibeonites? No. Well, one, they were deceived, which okay. isn't really... So what if the woman lies and says she was never previously married? Well, I would say is that mm. the woman is still at fault. She's still okay. a cursed. But you would still her, tell the guy... She's your slave for the rest of her life. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't work that way. But, but here's the thing, because... It, it didn't happen with Rahab. Like, I think we would all agree, if if, this, if what you're applying to the Gibeonites is true, then it has to apply to Rahab, which it mm-hmm. doesn't. Mm-hmm. Why? Because there is a fundamental rule that we learn in Christianity that is throughout all time, whether before or after the Mosaic Covenant, and that is that the righteous will live by faith. Mm-hmm. What, if, what did Rahab have? You read in Hebrews mm-hmm. 11, she had mm-hmm. faith. Mm-hmm. She was saved by that. It seems that God was still willing to save Canaanites. Mm. Despite yeah, that. Definitely. And I think that's exactly what happened. They were slaves. They were still cursed for the sin that they because they lied about it. Had they actually gone about it in faith, they probably would have been saved. So, so they were still cursed. There was still a consequence. But there was no violation in God's eyes mm-hmm. of his covenant with Israel. So I actually, um, before we got into um, 
The Gibeonites. The Gibeonites, thank you. I had Gabite stuck in my mind. Um, <laughs> so before we got into that, Yo, uh, we're Gabites. talking about vows and how one vow doesn't nullify another vow. Um, and I I don't know how committed to this I am. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say it in. Yeah, I, I would absolutely say, like, you can't make... You can't intentionally make a vow that will nullify another vow uh, intentionally. Like, I need to get out of that vow. How can I get out of it? Let me make this other vow. That would be a loophole. Right. But I think think if you made uh, a vow in good faith and then made another vow also in good faith, that was then later revealed to be that, like, hey, but here's the problem. It's like, I think then Mm -hmm. it's like, well... Yeah, but you've made two good faith well, vows, and, that, and that's, that's why where you are then beholden to both vows, a la kind of what Dan was saying, where uh, you know or this is a Christian, not a la. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Um, but like Dan was saying, like you, you know, you you made a vow to to a wife, uh, you divorced, you remarry, you made a vow to her, and then it's revealed like, hey, but really, it's like, oh well, crap, like you've you've made two good faith vows. Mm. You're not you're not getting out of the first because of the second. You just got double alimony. Mm. Wait, so po- basically polygamy? No, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Would you say that they're married to? She, well, he's it, married it, to to what Dan was saying, where he's like, well, like I think you then are not in. What you you were arguing that the the second marriage wasn't valid, but you are still you've There's made a vow to that. Yeah, you you've made a vow to take care of that second spouse. Yeah. Um. So at least uh provide maybe financially yeah. or, or whatever Until she gets married again or um you know I, I don't know if that's really that yeah possibly i i, I practical wait maybe well, I then missed... don't make the vow so lightly you know well, yeah well, I, I agree i was gonna well and to that point i was gonna say did i miss how the second one was in good faith somehow because it would, I, let's say it was made good, without the person having heard this argument. Right, right. Oh. Good, good faith, not necessarily mean like good standing with Christ as a believer, but good faith as in like, I earnestly mean this, I will take and, care of you. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not marrying you to get out of taking care of her kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It is, hey, so I, I guess like it's almost divorced from the Christian uh, definition yeah. um, of what we're saying is marriage, but saying... Hey, I've, 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 in good faith, joined in union with you. Well, doesn't that just automatically invalidate it then? Because it's like it, it doesn't matter how in good the, faith. The it nature was. of making another covenant, like if look at the vows, right? It's like, and I, I don't really make too big of a deal about the vows because again, my core, like the foundation of my understanding of all this, has to do with what Jesus said, and it's like God putting people together. Mm-hmm. So that's really for me the most important part. So you know God didn't put them together. I'm not quite sure what the, the, the marriage stands on. You could say, well, vows, but okay, but God wasn't involved, so who cares? Mm-hmm. Why would he have you uh, commit to that? But again, it's like you look at Scripture, right? And uh, I think if you're in the Word and, and, and you know, if you have a faithful pastor, like you're going to hear things like husbands love your wives like Christ loves the church. This is never going to happen with Christ. And I understand we're sinful or anything, uh, and we're, we're going to fall short, but the repentance is then to try to reflect Christ. Christ would never find himself in this position, so that means the position you found yourself, you got to get yourself out of it, because you'll never mm. reflect Christ there. Mm, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if I would disagree with you there. I think, 
what I'm what I'm saying though is probably from a moral perspective more than a Christian perspective is <laughs> well, well it's, it's more I, moral than it's <laughs> but I think I know what you're saying but you're talking about like an ethical yeah yeah you know like hey I, I've made a vow to take care of you uh, you know we unknowingly or unwittingly or we've now discovered uh, we've now become Christians whatever uh, that we shouldn't be together um, but at the same time uh, you are now we've structured our lives in such a way that you know maybe you depended on me financially or whatever so i've i still have a obligation to because of the vows itself yeah i think the, you're gonna keep running up against this wall i would say the vow themselves not being bound by christ but the vows themselves being bound by uh their word the, the nature yeah the nature yeah, the nature I that it's this, about this would be for uh this could be a whole other topic but i think our views of oaths and vows and commitments in christianity is very weak when we say that christ isn't in any kind of commitment that we make i mm. think is faulty yeah to say that oh these are just two people who promise something to each other christ wasn't in that i mm. think that's a, a misrepresentation of how serious the the um, God mm. takes oaths and commitments. Well, well, I'm just I'm just trying to work Especially off of kind of like what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm yeah, talking about the marriage. Like, 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 like I think marriage. I think we're I think regardless of anything else, to hit the the lowest hanging fruit, you know, you you've made a vow to a person, mm -hmm. and there's 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 obligation there. Mm -hmm. um, you uh, know, so, and, and well, it's a and it's a good faith vow. So here's here's a question. Okay, like I know it's not going to be like equivocal in every sense. Okay. But let's say um, I came to you. Okay. I said, Miguel, I was watching something on the news and I got really mad. And I promised God that I was going to bomb an abortion clinic. What should I do? <laughs> wow. I made a vow. Mm. Okay. Should mm. I keep it? Mm. Yeah. So, so there I think it you... should take two seconds to answer this question. But okay. He said, yeah. I heard, yeah, first. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know he's saying, yeah. Okay. But like, I. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you would then evaluate it against. Uh, oh, I see what you're doing. What am I doing? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bringing no, any no, no, previous no, no. abortion talk. No, 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 no. I, I, I see what you're doing in terms of. Okay, then I think you need to evaluate it against like what is godly and, and and all that stuff. But I think then you could still fall back to. Uh, okay, is it morally or ethically? Uh, a valid thing and I would I would argue no um, versus what I'm saying is mm -hmm. like hey like you've now there your vow of I'm going to bomb an abortion clinic is harmful full stop yeah um, I don't care what side of the line you fall on I am going to full stop it is harmful yeah my statement of you've made a vow in good faith um, to abominable. Oh, no, okay. no, 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 no. Uh, to yeah. to support uh, an, uh, a spouse or whatever, there is no harm in that. And by breaking that vow, you are causing more harm than keeping it. Is versus... adultery harmful? Uh, yeah. Even yes. if it's between consenting adults. Yes. Yes. Now the the what I'm saying is, what I'm saying. The vow. I'm not saying keep the vow, stay married. Mm -hmm. I'm saying. You know, you you have an obligation to the other person 
uh, to, to love and hold. No, I'm talking through sickness and through health. Those are the vows, though. Like this is what you're talking. You're talking about provide. Why would you provide? What, what is the extension of those vows? It, it, well, it's provision. I know. Yeah, and, and 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 what I said was, and I think the caveat with that was, you've structured yourselves in such a way that, yes, you're providing safety, secure, but but is, hey, I'm providing fifty percent of the income or fifty percent of, uh, of housing or you know, you've structured yourself in such a way, and then to say to then come forward and say, uh. I made this vow. I think now, if we look at this under this new light, um, it's wrong. Uh, I know that you just committed, you know, let's say hypothetically, ten years of being a stay-at-home mom, and you've removed yourself from the workforce. You have no uh, practical and sellable skills. But guess what? We just realized this is wrong. I'm dipping. Best of luck. I'm providing for you know the little one or the medium one. I guess after ten years that we've created, you know, I, I still think you have an obligation because you entered into a good faith vow of, I will provide and saying, Hey, I can't provide in the same function as we originally thought, but I should still provide financially, or I should help you get onto your feet. I should help you get into the workforce. I I think there's, uh, I think it's a, if you could, if you can, you should in as much as you can, you should, you know, because but, but you're... you you are, so you can, so you should. I wouldn't say you, sh- uh, you should. Okay, it's... so so hi- okay, hypothetically, in my household, I make eighty percent of the income. Right. Amanda makes twenty percent of the income. Hypothetically, I was married before, divorced, remarried into to, to Amanda. You know, for me to then say, hey, uh, this is wrong. I'm stepping away. I think that is the right decision to do. But then to say. Good luck with your twenty percent and your fifty percent mortgage. I'm out. Okay, but I think that's where the challenge just comes. Give her a hundred percent of the mortgage. No, but so <laughs> kick her out. Right. or kick her out. But Miguel, like you in this scenario, right? You'd been prior, prior, like already married beforehand, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so any money spent towards this wife that you shouldn't have been with is money being taken out of your previous wife's hands. Ooh, ooh. Mm-hmm. I I got a parallel. What if I I'm, I'm I'm married to my first wife, you know Nicole, and then I see someone who is uh, destitute, and I say I vow, I promise that I'm gonna provide for you for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I just made a vow that I'm gonna provide, and but any money that I contribute toward their uh, health and well being is money that's gonna come out of Nicole's health. And well-being. Right, but that that vow is just provision. Like the the reason you want to provide, yeah. and honestly, like you're you're still not you're still violating the vows, anyways, mm. because you didn't just say I'm gonna I, I, I promise to just provide for you for half of the mortgage. You said <laughs> I'll love you till death do us part. So you part, you violated the vow, which is what people on the other side are saying. Like don't violate the vow. They're they're saying like keep the full vow. That's why they say remain married. But what I'm saying is... How is that any worse, like, abandoning your second vow than it was abandoning your first vow? Right. So it creates a mm-hmm. double standard. And it's just like, you, you want to talk about covenants and how important they are. It's like, okay, so here's the covenant. Yeah. It's being violated. What are you yeah. doing about it? And by that, you're referring to the first yes. vows. Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't get... Like, there's if you vow till death do you part, that means that your vow cannot be broken by, by anything but death. And this is what Paul gets to. You're bound to your husband... Which is again slave language. You are bound to this person till till death. 
So as long as the person's living and you're doing anything that violates this vow, it doesn't matter if you're going to say, well, God, I'm keeping this. God's going to call you a hypocrite. Yeah. Yo, well, you should have kept this vow. And you're this already the one violating I, the first vow. Yeah. yeah. Like, so, like, it's not worth it. Like, it's just completely, like, yeah, it's going to get but messy. I'm, I'm coming into this scenario not as, uh, hey, I'm a Christian. I know better. I don't care. I'm coming into this situation as, uh, either I wasn't a Christian or I was a Christian, whatever. I didn't know better. I now have learned better. Um, so I'm through now my, my newfound knowledge. I've, I've found acknowledged the sinfulness of my second of my vow. Second marriage. Yeah. I have to, I'm, I'm breaking away from that. Um, but I, but I, I, I do think that there's still, yeah. uh, uh, I don't think he I doesn't do. get it. I think he just still doesn't agree with the well, fact that there's any obligation. Ignorance there. does not save. It doesn't. No, yeah. Right? So even with the the people who don't know about Jesus, whatever, they're still going to be mm -hmm. judged, right? So mm -hmm. it's like you can say, well, I didn't know about this. Now, if you're from a Christian background, you've been going to church, and your pastor is taught Toronto, this is why I think it's so important, your pastor's going to be held accountable. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because I, I don't, your blood is kind of on his hands. This is why it's like I really worry about pastors that, that do this because it's like I, you're not getting off easy at all. Mm. There's no indication of that. But um, it's like if you now know, right, it's like then you, you ought to do your best to to rectify that situation and playing. But I don't, playing, I don't think rectification is then just leaving someone destitute. You, you sh like you're not leaving them destitute, okay, because you're, it's not like you're taking everything away. What you're doing is... You're actually giving them life because you're saying like, oh, it would be really messy just to leave them without any financial provision. Okay, it's going to be even messier if you in some way violate a covenant that's a marriage covenant and God holds that as adultery against you because you're going to be burning in hell. And guess what? The okay. person that's Pretty with messy. you, person that's with you is also going to be burning in hell. It's just like, look, there's going to be mess in this life. Deal with it. But like, why, why not do everything we can avoid to not bring that mess yeah, I'm, I'm for that, but I'm. But I don't see. Is, I don't see anybody getting once punished. Once you're in the situation, I don't see anybody getting punished, or there's any kind of uh, rebuke of like, hey, if you don't do this, there's nothing in scripture that that supports what you're saying. That idea, if you if you've been in a bad relationship, you should somehow stay in there. Or whatever. I'm not saying to stay in the relationship. You are somehow connected to this person if you're still providing for them financially. That makes no sense. That's a relationship. Okay, I, so okay, let's spin it. You okay? Leave them alone, and then uh, consider them the poor, and give them money to help feed the poor. It, does that make you feel better about it? Like I, it's, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> I mean, like, well, like I, I just, I get what you're saying, but like, I don't understand how you could sit there and go, "Hey, I was wrong. I'm stepping away from this, and this is severely handicapping." Well, I, you. I think especially with what Eric was saying before, like if you're, if you are providing for the kid the person might not be able to pay the mortgage on the house that two people were paying a mortgage on before, yeah. but that doesn't, the decisions are not like my current mortgage or homelessness. Yeah. Right. I just don't, I think, ooh. I think, I, 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 I think, think that gets huge, into a political a discussion. A huge part of this is part of the, <laughs> is part of the contextualization of this whole issue. Of mm. The place that we live in, right. what Eric's saying is possible. Mm -hmm. You can leave a woman and she can go get a job and get a house and support herself. Yeah. yeah. That's 100% possible. If you're living in, in this, Saudi Arabia. In yeah, 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 context, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what happened, like I've you know, talked to people that minister um, in places where they have um, 
polygamy. What do you do when that guy gets saved and comes and say, what, what do I do with these wives? Right? Should I just Which of these do I and keep he And like, literally, one of the guys was asking, like, he came and he got saved and he came up and he asked, he said, okay, so who do I throw to the street? <laughs> because I'm not allowed to have more than one wife. Mm. And but, that's where but women that, go. But those, in but those two women, yeah. if, if he gets rid of them, they their lives fall apart. Mm. They have no protection. They have no legal defense. They have no voting rights. They have no uh, ability to yeah. get money. So is it loving to just throw them to the side? There, I think there's a lot of protections in Scripture about women and making sure women are cared for. I think part of that is the church does need to care for widows in that sense. Well, but yeah. I think the, the big thing that I would counsel is like you don't have a sexual relationship with mm. these women. Mm -hmm. But you do. And that's why I'm saying like with what I'm talking here about, how would I counsel the provision? I would counsel separation, but I would still say that you need to make sure that this person is not just going to sink after you leave them. Well, what I would say, like, I think you hit on it is like, I think the church needs to step in and help the situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, because the, the problem is that having a man still provide for someone who he was married to, mm -hmm. and, and you guys were saying like vows, it's like there mm -hmm. still seems to be this connection to this unlawful marriage. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can like change it to, well, the poor and everything, but I would say, well, that's a church thing. The church should be helping the poor. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't have to be the man so that there isn't Including this... Including you. I'm just saying, you're a part of the church. No, yeah. Mm -hmm. But what I'm just saying, with the man, there might be this appearance of evil or, mm -hmm. or kind of hypocrisy here. So I'm just saying, like, it just might be in these instances where it's better for that man not to be involved. Mm -hmm. The church can step in and provide. Because I don't want to mm -hmm. see people uh, get, you know, poor, be thrown to the street. Mm -hmm. And in other contexts, this is mm -hmm. it's a very good point because, unfortunately, we're all human beings and we're bound by our context. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm just an American Christian. I'm mm -hmm. sure there's issues galore that I do not know that we're yeah. you know we go into in third world countries. Yeah. But this is this is uh, why I would say it's an important conversation for mm -hmm. for the mm -hmm. church to be having, mm -hmm. and um, why the church really needs to to get its act together because you're not going to be able to do these things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So anyways. Well, yeah, that, and, oh, that, oh, sorry. I, I was going to no, say that you just made me think. I had something else to say previous but the uh, polygamous I issue made me think of something uh, a crazy scenario i don't know if it's ever actually happened before i'm, I'm curious i'd be curious no, to hear no. but like 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 just imagine like like say a guy's married to three women right mm -hmm. and he becomes a christian and let's say his second wife becomes a believer then mm -hmm. his first wife doesn't Let's say the third one just leaves. Okay, so so <laughs> it does it doesn't matter. Whatever so let's her. let's just say there's only two. Mm -hmm. So the second one becomes a believer as well. Okay, but then the first one doesn't, but she also doesn't want to leave. So she wants to stay bound to him. So what do you do in that scenario? <laughs> Loophole into polygamy. <laughs> that I mean, because I'm uh, curious if something like that. The first happen. wife wants to remain. Yes, but she's right. not a believer. But but, the, but believer. the husband became one. Yeah, and so did the second wife. Right. After the polygamy happened, obviously. Right. Well, mm. the, if the second wife has become a Christian, she knows that her marriage to that first husband is, is not, illegitimate. Is illegitimate. Yeah. Now, the relationship between the, the man and the first wife... <laughs> you make it sound like, I'm a believer now. The knowledge of the Bible is within right. me now. Right, no, no, I know. But, but like, hopefully you just have an elder who's going to... Yeah, eventually that's going to come to, yeah. to mm -hmm. the forefront and, and that's settled. Should mm -hmm. settle, so. Um, and then with the first one, it just like what Paul says, you know, if they want to remain, let them remain and see if they're going to, because he says, he, he actually asked this and, and I've heard it said in two different ways, because like when we know the past where he says, how do you know whether or not you'll save your husband? Right. Mm -hmm. 
I've always read it in a positive way, like you can save your husband. But someone has actually, I think it might have been Piper, was like, like Paul's saying, like, how do you actually know that your husband's going to be saved? Mm -hmm. Like you think something might happen mm -hmm. if you stay, but it might not. It's not guaranteed. Yeah, it might not. So it's kind of like, so you wait to see what God does with that spouse. Yeah. And if, and they'll eventually either leave or they'll come to faith. So that's well, how that. And okay. We're playing in some very fun, yeah. tall weeds. <laughs> and, you know, I don't want to fall into the trap that apparently so many people have even in the first century of like you know just disputing about mm -hmm. genealogies and things that don't actually mm -hmm. lead into yeah. any profit because uh kind of like what dan had said i think maybe while uh we were not recording is it's it's fun to talk about exceptions and and it might even be beneficial because it helps you to hone your theory right. of what the norm should be but really like i'm not dealing with polygamists whose yeah. you know second wives that's get right. married or i'm not dealing with, and you know I, I think that's a really fun thing and, and I, i'm not dealing with uh you know this uh, a lot of these other issues right. that we brought up here tonight what i as a pastor will probably be dealing with is the she got really into her music i get really into my hat store <laughs> you know to go back yeah. to hats but like i, I, I honestly i would i would yeah, probably i will <laughs> i will probably deal with things that are that yeah. shallow mm. Mm -hmm. more often than I'm than I'm going to deal with these other things and it's like it I feel like as long as I can hold the line you know I'd probably have to plant the church you know the church that's going to have this as its culture I'd probably have to plant that church in order for such a church to exist because people are just what, what's the phrase you know it's easier to give birth than raise the dead mm -hmm. you know so like the the <laughs> I've never that, heard that you'd one have before. to you'd have to mm -hmm. Really set that as the culture mary and jesus they yeah they both did both pretty <laughs> anyway um like i i just want to make sure that i'm faithful in what i understand right and i understand eric what you were saying earlier about like there is not hopefully not like a paralyzing fear but there's a gravity behind saying like i'm looking to be in ministry one day and I'm going to be judged more harshly, you know, be you not many masters, like don't be, don't everybody try to be teachers, pastors, all that kind of stuff because of the, the standard that they're going to be held to. And like, there's not just that, but like I have potential to damage people's lives in a way that their plumber probably yeah. doesn't, you know? And like, Hey, plumbers are great. Like we had a plumber coming to the house tomorrow, but, uh, like, and they're totally necessary, but I have the, I have the potential to wreck lives and marriages and and things like that so i want to be careful with the way that i handle work with the way that i handle people mm -hmm. you know with the with the way that i that i try to untangle knots and and tidy up messes mm -hmm. like this because that is a lot of the work of ministry is mm -hmm. the messiness of other people's lives mm -hmm. but it's like this is what we're called to and if people are willing to gently patiently lovingly mm. humbly submit to the word i mean love covers a multitude of sins right. man Love and is very important. Like, I think it's so pretty important. It's probably the most. Important. I'd say like faith, hope, and then love. Mm. You know, oh. I wouldn't say the greatest of these is love. Oh, okay. I would just say faith. You know, I'm gonna be risky. I'm gonna say the greatest of these is love. Wow. I hope you can there. back that up with scripture, but <laughs> I don't know, man. Like yeah. I'm speaking in tongues. I just mm. that's good enough for me. <laughs> well, that's Nobody how we know you're it. saved. <laughs> anyway, oh, no. uh, anything else? I know that you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I think I was going to just throw out there, and this doesn't provide a whole lot of comfort, because it's terrifying. <laughs> it's a not a low note. It's terrifying to know that, because I think what you're, what you're saying is really good, because, and I have that heart where it's like, why can't we get on the same page? Why can't these things go there? Mm. Everyone has their blind spots. Every Christian throughout mm. history has had blind and spots. And baggage. We have them, because what happens if we get to heaven and we find out that, that your opinion on divorce 
was actually wrong and oh, we were shoot, encouraging we were supposed to be believing mm-hmm. and so that's the thing like what travis <laughs> travis hit on that really well about the the gravity because that's what keeps me up at night about thinking about pursuing mm. ministry is the weight mm. of not only am i held accountable before god but i can mess up someone's life that's mm-hmm. why i'm like t- tentative here because like what if i just wreck a, a woman's life mm. because i counseled her to leave this marriage because mm. i thought it was sinful yeah. like the weight of that but i yeah. think the other way is to say is like well how do the people not see this uh, the, some that I've known that have argued for these exception clauses really hard will say that that when Jesus gives this exception clause, he's saying that if they commit adultery, that marriage is dead and over as if they had died. Mm-hmm. So when they're counseling saying remarriage and the, the pastors that I've seen counsel it, I might not hold to it, but I can see where they're coming from because they're saying if Jesus is saying this is when you can get divorced and in their mind divorce means the marriage is dead, mm-hmm. then you can get remarried. So that's why I see them arguing that that. To me, that makes better, more sense than like the Gibeonites and the other arguments we have. Is mm. that if Jesus is saying that the divorce ends the covenant, it's dissolved, dissolves yeah. the covenant, then they can get remarried. Yeah. I tend not yeah. to hold to that. I feel like really the only thing in my mind is if someone dies, um, that remarriage is permissible. I think there are situations where divorce might be permissible, but not remarriage. Well, but I also and, think, and I, I also okay. think that. Something that we that a pastor, a, a pastor, my preaching professor, my like uh, ten years ago, really great guy. He mentioned this, and I thought it was so great, and I wish we talked about it more. And they brought it up more. He said, "We don't go to separation that quick. We go right to divorce." Yeah. It's like you can have people separated that are still legally married. Mm-hmm. They're still bound together. They don't have. They can file taxes separately. They can be mm-hmm. separate in the eyes of the law. They it's can like, operate. Yeah, it, and it, they it, can it, reconcile it, it, more it, easily. Completely independent. Have different houses. But the marriage covenant is not dissolved. He's like, I don't know why we don't recommend that more often to say. So if a couple came to me and said, we're having these fighting issues, I'm like, cool, separate. But you were going to be stay stay married Mm. and you were going to be either a single person throughout your life or you guys are going to get back together. Those are the two options. I I think just real quick um, to, to answer the. Well, in this pastor's eyes, the divorce dissolves mm-hmm. the marriage as though death. Then why in the world would Jesus say, if you marry someone who's been divorced, then you're committing adultery? If that divorce, mm-hmm. if that divorce is as good as a death, as good as a death. The argument, I think, the argument is that when Jesus is saying that, he's referring to all the other cases except for the exception. Okay. That if you, if someone gets divorced, wouldn't it help if like the Bible is written in a programming cases, language with like brackets and parentheses to group no, clauses gosh. together? It is. Like, <laughs> it is. And so they would say that the flow of it goes that all divorce yeah. and then except in these cases. So, but if and anyone, then back to the, back to if anybody yeah. gets divorced except for these cases, they're committed yeah. adultery. Yeah. Um, I just want to make the, the quick point. Like, mm-hmm. uh, on the first podcast, I like, I, I showed the problems with, with all those interpretations, mm-hmm. uh, but we're not going to get into that now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the quick point, like, and I'm stressing this because, at least in my mind, it's it's not necessarily, like I said, it could be two separate issues or it could be connected mm-hmm. issues. But I'm more, again, more mm-hmm. um, willing to be patient and lenient towards those who just believe in the exception because mm-hmm. they see it in Matthew. Because that's that's where I was. That's yeah. where I was taught. Yeah, so, like, yeah. I'm not going to judge them by a standard that I didn't ever meet. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Uh, but I still think it's wrong. And it's like, eventually, you guys have to get mm-hmm. to the point yeah. where you see it's wrong. But the, the part where I'm not being lenient on are those who talk about the remarriage that like, despite what I believe is an exception, mm-hmm. you get divorced, you get remarried and you should just remain there because it's like yeah. you're violating what you think the line is here. Mm-hmm. You're saying, well, and, and you think it's OK. It's like there's, it's like there's a giant chasm of 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 a, a consistent 
I don't want to just call it logic because I'm not trying to just call him stupid, right? I'm not. Mm -hmm. But it's just like, there's no connection here, right? Like mm -hmm. John Piper, I'm talking. Like, you think <laughs> that, uh, the permanence view, you think that only death dissolves a marriage, okay? But you would say that someone who divorced and remarried, that they should remain uh, in that mm -hmm. part. And like, so how do you, how do you uh, explain that? And then he gives these, I'm sorry, but they're pre pretty crappy arguments. Mm -hmm. It's like, like, yeah. that's why I'm asking, like, how do you not see, because I know John knows how to articulate the gospel. Mm -hmm. I know he knows how to make good arguments. It's just like, and I feel like if you're a Calvinist, you know what bad arguments sound like because you I have them think. pitched to you. Right? Now I have a theory as to why, but I'll leave that in another discussion. <laughs> I, Ooh, cliffhanger. <laughs> well, I, I was just going to kind of add on to that with what you were saying earlier. This is what I, I meant to get back to was that, uh, you had mentioned how, um, something within covenants as Christians that we, a lot of times people don't really take enough stake into is the fact that it's that covenant, uh, speaking specifically to marriage right now, mm -hmm. is not specifically just between that man and woman. Mm -hmm. God is the unifying factor with these two people. Mm -hmm. He's the one who's actually most yeah. important in that relationship, not either of them. And the reason that it can even work is because of God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so when divorce even becomes an option in your mind, well, and then remarriage on top of that, you are ripping God out of the equation entirely. Yeah. Mm. And you're saying mm. like it's about me or it's about exactly, her. Yeah. It's exactly, about because God. the issues are not about God, it's about that other person. And you, you're you're not taking into consideration why God would have even unified you in the first place. And and so that's why, uh, going back to what we were saying about like providing for a second wife and everything, like regardless of, of whether or not you think you, think you should, um, that like, you should, like, I can understand that being a consequence mm -hmm. of, of that you'd have to deal with for the rest of your life as a sin of having left your first wife is now having to deal mm -hmm. with providing mm -hmm. for another person and maybe children yeah. that you had with that second spouse that was never really your spouse. Um, now, I will say that your first priority should still be to provide for your original wife and family. Mm. But also, especially if you have kids, I, I, yeah. you need to provide for them. Yeah. But when it comes to then extenuating the circumstances to the, the second wife, mm -hmm. that might be stretching it a bit. But I mean, I think if you can, I don't know if you'd all agree with this, but I think if you are able, like if you happen to make enough money to where you could fully provide for your actual original wife and still provide for the, the new family that you made, um, at least to some degree, maybe that would be okay. But if it's mm -hmm. ever taking away from the original family, the original wife, mm -hmm. I think that's when it's a, a problem. But... On top of that, I think being stretched thin because you made these false uh, oaths to the second wife, I think that's just something you might have to deal with is, is the sin yeah, of... You might have to live in the box. Ex yeah, you, you might have to deal with like losing that money and having to take care of this other family as well. Mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so I'm just... Uh, all that to say that initially with that first marriage covenant, what needs to be most important in that covenant is the it's fact God. that is, yeah, is Christ, is this God. So, so I, I think if that's what's the focus, then hopefully none of the rest of the, these issues would come up. But um, yeah, unfortunately, that's not the attitude most people enter into their marriage with. So. Right. Mm. All right, we get to cap it. Yeah, cap it. Good Until next time, Travis Burger's stay, caps. Yeah. Stay tuned for uh, parts three through nine of <laughs> the divorce that issue. Would be, that would be going short too. Yeah. <laughs> See ya.